This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, WS Tears? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. And uh, we got a packed show today. Uh, we are going to be all over the latest on the Winnipeg Jets, who started another winning streak last night against the New York Islanders. Chop it up on that game. Hear a little bit from uh, Rick Bonus, as well as... Talk a little about uh, Darren Drager's insider trading report from last night on TSN. Uh, and here for Mason Appleton, who broke a 25-game goal-scoring drought with one of the greasiest goals you'll see. But it was a big one as it ended up being the winner for the Winnipeg Jets, who got back into the win column and, more importantly, back on top. Look up, way up, of the NHL standings. They were the top team in points percentage. Now they're appearing number one as they tie Vancouver at 62 points with a game in hand. Um, so Murata Tesh is going to jump on. Murata's got some great stuff on the Jets right now as they continue to fly high in the athletic. Uh, Murat will pump, uh, will uh, join us. We're also going to welcome in Parker Ford from the Manitoba Moose for the first time. Looking forward to talking to Parker. He had that great training camp uh, where he was right down to the last uh, assignment to the Manitoba Moose. Find out how his first pro season's going. We'll do that a little later on. And uh, before Murat and Parker, Teddy Drip, Ted Wyman coming on the program today. Um, some big news in Bomberland with Stanley Bryant back, a restructuring of Kenny Lawler's contract. So we'll try to get a bit better of an idea about where things stand with the Blue Bombers as they look to re-sign Dalton Schoen, Brady Oliveira, uh, most notably at the top of that list. So... It should be a real fun one today on the program. Great to see everybody in chat all fired up from the game last night. Welcome. If you're new here, great to see you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you uh, if you found us looking for more on the NHL's top team, you're in the right place. We're live here at 1 p.m. Central each and every Monday to Friday. Hit that subscribe button. And, uh, of course, the podcast is available wherever you get your favorite pods. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk and that's in your inbox for your favorite pods just around 3.30 as soon as we are finished the show in time for your drive home from work. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, got to thank the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day. Our partners at Cool Bet Canada just finished another lock shop with Dustin Nielsen over on the Edmonton Sports Talk channel. You can join us Monday to Friday at noon uh, over there. Uh, of course, our friends at Aikens Lake, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, the Winnipeg Jets, Modern Man, Barbershop, Manitoba Battery, and the Great Taste of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian club. And we will get to a why not question of the day for the gang over at Not Autocorp, but Waverly and McGilvery. Uh, back in the win column last night, Michael Remus. What's going on? Feels good. Us maintaining their spot on the top of the NHL or daily standings. 
admiration. And yeah, I mean, look, they had a, didn't play their best yesterday, but hey, wins a win. They got the two points. I don't know what's more important at this point has two points or keeping the three or fewer and two or fewer goal streak. I joked with Connor on Monday that, yeah, okay, they lost. You're okay with that. But what's more important was keeping those those streaks alive. Uh, nice game. How about Kyle Connor uh, looking like he didn't miss a beat yesterday, leading the team in shots. So nice win. I don't know if you knew this coming in, but the Islanders had a seven-game win streak against the Jets, owned the Jets. I did know that. They had outscored yeah. uh, the Jets 25-9 to nine in and, their last seven outings. Wow. And I'm at 25. How many of those are from Anders Lee, who's now what? How many goals in it? 16-19 and 19 games uh, from Anders Lee against the Jets, which is crazy. Because I, when I think of guys who scored a lot against the Jets, of course, I don't think Anders Lee. They're in the East. How often do they play them? But he's been in the NHL for... You know, 10 full seasons, you know, parts of, of 12 and owned the Jets and a beautiful tip by him yesterday past Helly's Glover. He thought, OK, we got a game here, but uh, they're able to pull away Mason Appleton, uh, you know, found th- some weird goals here. Mason Appleton banking one in from like behind the net and Neil Pionk scoring on a wide open net after Sorokin's blade <laughs> fell off his skate. So strange. And then Anders Lee had a, a second one was strange. From the side, so some weird goals. Tuesday night games, kind of weird, but four uh, two big win. Helly first star man, uh, he's been rock solid as of late. Yeah, it, you know what? It, it was a weird game uh, it, it, when it came to the goaltending because I thought the goaltenders, for the most part, were awesome, but both of them had at least one goal that they would not like. Well, they would like to have back. Um, you mentioned that goal that Lee scored from the side of the uh, from the side of the net. Um, that one is going to happen kind of once, twice a year. I mean, just finding the smallest of space uh, in the with uh, on the pad where Kelly was a little bit back and it ended up sneaking in. And I'll tell you what, and this is what's different about this year's team than previous years' teams: a three-one lead against a team like the Islanders that had had the Jets number for the better part of the last three, four seasons. You give up a goal like that 30 seconds or whatever it was, 33 seconds into the third period, and all of a sudden it's 3-2. And I think you would have really felt a level of anxiety raise in the building last night. And despite the fact that the Jets, I mean, weren't as locked down defensively, I think, as they've been for the majority of this incredible streak they're on, um, they still did handle things, you know, quite well. And it never really felt like the Islanders were like at times in the past, I'm sure you'd agree, Remus, it almost would feel inevitable that things were going to turn around and the Islanders were going to score. And then, you know, who knows what's happened. We've seen them before come back on the Winnipeg jets with multiple goals in the third period to win during that streak. So, the way the team was able to sort of buckle down, and again, so much of it is Connor Hellebuck. I mean, I do think that he was a very deserving first star of the game last night, despite giving up two. And I mean, the first goal was as brilliant a deflection as you'll see in the National Hockey League. Essentially, no chance for Hellebuck on that one. Um, but both teams, I thought, came out with a very similar um, outlook especially the Jets coming off a game where they were shut out against Philadelphia on Saturday night. Shoot the puck, get pucks on net, 
Um, there was a ton of shots. I think it's about 80 shots in the game last night. Uh, both teams knew that they were going to beat all-star caliber goaltenders in both ends. They needed to get a lot of pucks on net, and uh, the Jets got one more in before Kyle Connor iced it with a uh, really nice takeaway, an empty netter that brought the fans out of the feet, uh, uh, onto their feet, I should say, out of their seats. And uh, nice atmosphere in the game last night. The fans were into it, and um, the Winnipeg Jets do it again. But I just find that that, and maybe it's just because we're now used to seeing a team that is elite defensively and at five-on-five take care of their business. Um, And again, I'm sort of with you. It wasn't quite of, uh, this was not a defensive masterpiece, but when they needed it, Hellebuck made the big save, and for the most part, I thought the Jets did a good job in getting the puck in their own end, quickly getting it out of their own end, back to the other end where the uh, opponents weren't going to score. Yeah, and let's just take a look at the standings, Huss. Ah, there it is. The Winnipeg Jets. First, 62 points tied with Vancouver and one last game. So not only are they first in points now, also first in points percentage. And look at goals against Hessler. 99 goals against. That is the fewest in the NHL. No other team less than 100. Ten. Ten, yes, 10 less than the LA Kings, who are 1, 5, and 4 in their last 10 after losing yesterday. They're slumping. And here's some other numbers. You mentioned third periods and holding on to leads, and I think that was a problem before. How about this? Uh, 21, 1, and 1 when leading after two periods. Uh, Unlike another team that gets a lot of media attention that has blown leads in four straight. I'm talking about Toronto, which did it again yesterday. But uh, as far as the Jets, I mean, when they score four, they're 19-0 or 20-0. Depends. The Jets uh, media said 19-0. Kevin Sawyer in the broadcast said 20-0 when scoring four. It doesn't matter. They're perfect. Score four, and you're going to win. I mean, the math works out when you're allowing three or fewer in 32 straight games, very close to the 35, uh, the 35 record by Minnesota in 14-15. We're also on the way to, what is it, uh, 12 games of two or fewer. So, I mean, this is a defensive masterclass from the Winnipeg Jets and Connor Hellbuck plus Lauren Brossois. You hope to keep it going here. And well-deserved for the Jets. Uh, you know, they've kind of been slipping a little here. We talked about the schedule. Injuries ramping up two days off, said Rick Bonus after the game. And I think well-deserved after this great stretch of play uh, over the last stretch here. How, and how about this for the home crowd? You're going, if, you know, second-best home record in the league, 16-6-2. and two. So if you're going to a game here, odds are you're going to see a win. And unfortunately, two of those six losses were with the WST group. But we're going to get... That W coming up against Toronto, not this Saturday, but the Saturday after. Yeah, that's the Jets' next home game. Um, the team hits the road. And, and finally, and I thought Mike made a great point yesterday. I mean, NHL history, how often had a team won eight games in 13 days? Mm-hmm. I mean, that just simply, teams usually don't even play that many games and then add in how difficult it is just to keep on winning at that pace during such a, a, such a run. But they had the two days off heading into yesterday's game. And they now have the next three days off. And I think Rick Bonus kind of identified the fact that his team has played a lot of hockey, has looked gassed at times. Two days off for the fellas today and tomorrow. They'll get back to practice uh, in the morning on Friday. 
before heading to Ottawa for a Saturday matinee against the Sens. And then, man, next week is going to be unbelievable. I, I am so fired up for next week. We get the rematch against the Boston Bruins in Boston on Monday. And then the home and home against the struggling Leafs. Wednesday in Toronto. And then, yes, Saturday, game three of our WST package against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That game is going to be crazy. And uh, hopefully we will see that first win as a group. And I know the Jets are going to be wearing the 48s in that. Um, I'm just looking at chat here. And Dan Ashton said, Huss, can Jets make it to the Stanley Cup Finals this year? Absolutely they can. Absolutely they can. Will they? I mean, who knows? But, I mean, I think by by any measure, the Jets would be right near the top of that list um, to do it. They are an elite five-on-five team, and they've got the best goaltender in the world, and they're number one in the standings. I mean, how could you argue that they couldn't? Um, and again, this team might look a little different come post-trade deadline. I mean, they've done everything they can to give their general manager every reason to believe that this is a year to make a significant addition or two. And actually, we'll get to that with a report from Darren Drager coming up in just a minute. Um, you know what, Remo? Vibes continue to be great in that dressing room after uh, the game. Win after win. Um, fire up the jacket presentation because there's a very interesting <laughs> there's a very interesting moment here that I think WST listeners will get quite a kick out of. The boss a good game today, boys. Bucky, great job. Just want to say go to Sis. Yesterday. A lot of great games out there for everybody. Uh, great job, boys. Let's keep her going. Yeah, that's a big win. Way to respond after uh, last game, but uh, been a while, game winner. All right, so uh, there it is. Kyle Connor returning, getting the uh, hardest working jacket, and Mason Appleton, maybe hearing me say that he maybe had the uh, the most uh, easy path to clearing waivers because of the contract and the struggles that he'd been in, scoring the winner. One of the greasiest goals you will ever see, but nobody asks how. They ask how many. That was a big goal, and you could just see Remus, you know, after Appleton scored that goal, um, the relief that he had. Uh, and I think his teammates, as you can see, really felt it for him as well. Did I hear a Sid reference in that uh, in that post-game convo? Have they been listening to some of the trade uh, trade talk amongst fans and on Winnipeg <laughs> Digital shows started by our pal Jeff Hamilton? Yeah, I think... Um... I don't know, I think Ehlers called Connor Sid, so I'm not sure what that was. But I was into uh, Nate Schmidt yelling out Mongos during Appleton and saying, yeah, see a Mongo. So if anyone did stake out Mongos today after watching that last night, let us know. Maybe you saw the whole team in there making their own bowl. But uh, these jacket presentations, you can tell they're having a blast. And how could you not have a blast when you're winning just about every game in the last bunch Is that what you do bunch. at Mongo's? You make your own bowl? See, I never got, you see, you've never been. I've been a couple times, and what you do is you take a bowl, it's like a noodle place, and you choose your noodle, and they have all the ingredients, and you make, you put all the frozen ingredients in the bowl, and it's like a challenge, 
to get as much as you can because you have to make like an extension bowl with all the meat. You put sauces on and they cook it for you right in front of you. I just never got mangoes because I was like, I don't know what sauces go well together. I don't know. I'm not a chef. That's why I go to a restaurant. I don't go to a restaurant to make my, make my own food and come up with the recipes. So like if they had some recommendations on stuff, I haven't been in years, like maybe 10 years. So people like mangoes. They're into that. But I'm not. I want to. You know, I don't want to choose my own adventure when I go out to eat. I want it chosen for me. So that's my take on mongos. A lot of take, a lot of mongos takes uh, in the uh, in the chat. Shakespeare, it says it's awesome. Uh, it's a buffet essentially. It says Isha Boy Bruce. Oh, it's like palatal. Okay, I do remember the palatal. Mongos is the bomb. But you put it uh, all in. You never bins. You you put it all in and, uh, and and make it happen from there. Well, maybe we'll have to try it out. Maybe maybe anyone that just popped in today to grab a quick lunch mm-hmm. saw half the team crushing noodles and everything they else uh, everything oh. else that they want. Um, hey, uh, Stan Scott, th- Stan, thanks very much for the super chat. It shows how good they are when we were talking about them slipping <laughs> a bit when they're nine and one in their last ten. Uh, a very very astute. I mean, a it's about winning right now, and I think Bones. I mean, listen, when we're talking about a period of time that this team has w- been winning at the rate that they've been winning, they're not all going to be masterpieces. And, you know, in some ways, I think it was good for the team to have to win a game, um, you know, where you're leaning on a guy like Mason Appleton to come up with a big, big goal. Gabriel Velarde, of course, in his office, which is also the office of the opposition goaltender. Um, I think his uh, goal probably traveled maybe three inches before going into the across the goal line last night. Um, he was there, so uh, it was great. And then for Pionk to get that one, and man, Pionk went bar down, like hit the crossbar and went into the net in the most gaping wide open net you will ever see. And as you mentioned it, kind of a bizarre play, Reem, where Cole Perfetti knocked the blade right off of Sorokin's skate. And at that point, he had no ability to push off and get back in front of the net. Sort of a tough break for the Islanders goaltender, but one that Neil Pionk and the Winnipeg Jets were very, very willing to take and uh, light the lamp. Yeah, I almost feel bad that that counts as a goal against for Sorokin because you see him try to slide over, and he's not able to. And so wide open net for Pionk. And yeah, here's some more numbers. Uh, 12-1-3 versus the East. For the Jets, that might be good when you're going up against the East for the next four games in Ottawa, who's been giving up a ton of goals this year, Boston, and the two Toronto games. Toronto can't win in regulation. I think they have as many regulation wins this year as Ottawa, which is crazy because Toronto's in a playoff spot and Ottawa is, you know, looking towards rebuilding wherever yet. Only 13 regulation wins for, for Toronto, 12 for Ottawa, which is... Amazing because Toronto has double or twenty more points than Ottawa. Um, how about these? Yes, so I did mention it was thirteen games of two or fewer. And how about this in their last twenty? Has sixteen two and two, uh, incredible. And what is this? You know, scoring first jet has eighteen two and one scoring first. So it's just some incredible numbers scoring four goals, scoring first, holding a lead after the second period. Uh, the Jets are good. And shout out, you mentioned Adam Lowry, 15th assist, second most in his career, six points in his last four. 
sliding in on that top line, playing well, and Gabe Velarde scoring his 11th, 20 points on the year. And you wonder how many guys on this team are going to end up with 20 goals. Uh, there's going to be a bunch. And Velarde, you know, we showed that picture of Mike, Mike Kelly had that picture last week of him scoring every single goal right in front of the net. And as you said, another one right there. And there's only the one from like the dot where it was that beautiful back end. Yeah, uh, and then, by the way, shout out to a new commenter or a changed name, Dancing Gabe Velarde, uh, bringing in <laughs> two of our favorite things, Gabe Velarde, Dancing Gabe, into one in the chat. Uh, let's hear from Bones. He spoke after the game and uh, obviously pleased with another big two points. And um, I think, I don't, I'm not sure whether he was overly positive as to maybe what he was thinking if he's breaking through the tape, but... Um, Certainly appreciated the effort that his team put forth and uh, another big win to get back to the top of the NHL standings. Uh, no, I think we we played well. I think we can be sharper. I think we're giving up a few too many shots. And, yeah, so I think we can be sharper. But listen, uh, we played hard, and that's a good team over there. They're very offensive-minded, um, so they're tough to defend. Uh, I, I think we're going to give our guys two days off. I think they need a mental break and a physical break, and we're going to take advantage of these two days and because uh, it's going to be a tough road trip, and we need to be a little sharper, I think. But uh, listen, we played well to win, and uh, I love the heart that we're playing with. Um, they're working their butts off. Sometimes you're just not as sharp mentally, and I think that showed tonight. But you find good teams find a way to win. All right, so, uh, so there's Bones. And as I say, if this was a different situation, I think maybe he handles that post game, eh, maybe pokes a little more at, you know, what his team didn't do as well as they've been doing consistently. Um, but listen, he makes a great point. He's identifying the fact that his team has played so much hockey. They played at a very high level. They've been finding a way to win and get it done. Give the guys a couple days off to get ready for a big, big road trip and a big push against some quality opponents heading into a break that I'm sure they're all looking forward to the player break, and, of course, the all-star break uh, for everybody with the exception of Rick Bonus and Connor Hellebuck, who will be representing the Winnipeg Jets at that game. We talked about Mason Appleton yesterday, and, you know, he, has had, he had that great start to the year. He's stayed on that third line uh, and just hasn't had anything go right for him over the course of this crazy winning streak. That changed last night, and um, it was the most snake bit of the Winnipeg Jets scoring the winner here's what bones had to say about mason appleton's game throughout his goal drought uh he's still helping the penalty kill and he's and he's he's an assertive player when I mean, he goes up and down that wing he's a, he's very strong on his feet he's an excellent skater uh, and he plays hard you know he's a he's a he's a good winnipeg jet hockey player he goes hard and he plays smart um and he uses his size when he can around the net and he takes the puck to the net does a lot of little things that we like did you see anything change him pressing no, it all? Or? No, no. That's good. All right, so there's Bones on uh, on Mason Appleton. Uh, one of the other interesting things in last night's uh, lineup was the fact that Adam Lowry uh, was up playing with Gabriel Velarde and Kyle Connor. We mentioned Kyle Connor. He did not look like he missed a beat. He was dangerous. Um, he was skating. He was shooting the puck and obviously was rewarded uh, with a nice defensive play, stealing the puck and taking it home all alone for the uh, for the winner. 
Um, and I, I really liked Adam Lowry's game last night. I thought he stepped up. I would have preferred he maybe shot a couple more times. He maybe did defer to players. Um, you know, when you're playing with that sort of talent in an unfamiliar position, you know, with Kyle Connor and Gabriel Velarde, maybe that's the natural instinct. Uh, if you're not as an accomplished a goal scorer than those players, uh, but overall, I mean, uh, certainly was uh, one of the many difference makers for the Jets last night. Here's what Bones had to say about the captain moving up to Mark Scheifele's spot while he uh, recovers. What he does well is he plays his game every night, no matter who he's playing with, no matter who he's playing against. He just plays Adam Lowry hockey. He's hard to play against because he's big and he's strong, he's physical, um, but he doesn't, the best thing about him, he doesn't change his game. So yeah, we move him up with those guys. He still plays the same way, whether he's playing the second line, third line, first line, that's what we love about him. You're gonna get the same effort. You're gonna get the same compete, the same style of play, regardless who he's up against, regardless who he's playing with, and that's why we love him so much. Is that an example of the leadership by example? In yeah, a sense? that's what he does. That's why he's captain. He just goes out and he plays his hard out every shift, regardless of the situation and the, the, who he's playing with. So it doesn't affect him. He just goes out and plays Adam's hockey. All right, there's uh, there's Bones. It, it, Reem, is Lowry is Lowry the most popular Jet now? Oh man, that's a good question. I don't. You can tell how much Rick Bonus absolutely loves the guy. You can tell how much his teammates love the guy. Like popular but, with the players or popular with the fans? Well, popular with the fans. I think most fans realize the diff, like just how important he has been in the success of this team, and and he's such a Winnipeg guy. I mean, mm -hmm. he's humble, he's hardworking, he does exactly what Rick Bonus says. Um, listen, there's a plenty of players that you know are very popular right now. You win the way this uh, team does. We talked about how likable the team is yesterday. It wouldn't surprise me, though, if Adam Lowry, to be honest, if you canvass the fans, is right up there with the most popular players right now in Winnipeg. Yeah, and he's having a career year, Huss, in terms of uh, goals per uh, goals per game, ties in career high, uh, assists, you know, career high and assists per game, points per game, 0.53. So he's on his way to a career year offensively. It certainly helps when you're, you know, getting some top-line minutes. Hadn't really got that uh, before, but he's filling in well. And as I said, he's got six points in his last four. He's doing it on the power play now with Shifley out, penalty kill. Uh, he's leading by example. He's dropping the gloves. Uh, yes, Adam Lowry's approval rating uh, is definitely very, very high. I think high with his teammates when you hear people speak high, how highly uh, they speak of him. And I think with the fans as well. So I, great, certainly a great choice for ca captain. There was no wrong choice between him and, and Josh. But uh, I think Adam, you know, the team has taken Adam's identity. And you see that never give up attitude and even when they're not at their best uh, they're winning these games so uh, again well deserved two days off but uh, Adam Lowry filled in very well and that I don't know if that's something we, we would have said a couple years ago like Adam Lowry on the top line but you look at that first goal I mean it's a great screen in front with Lowry and Velarde two big bodies and Velarde is so good you know when he's in front of the net I mean the puck just finds a stick and then finds uh, the back of the net so uh, you know a good win yesterday when, you know, after a loss and you get a couple days off and get a chance to reset before going out east where you've been very good against the Eastern Conference this year.
Yeah, we will get back to the Jets. We'll hear from a very relieved Mason Appleton, as well as a report from Darren Drager from Insider Trading last night. We'll do that before Marat jumps on, but uh, Ted Wyman's going to uh, join us right now. Uh, before we do that, let me give a big thanks to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, guys, if you're looking to uh, look good heading into the new year, get on over to Modern Man. Eight locations in Winnipeg, so somewhere conveniently located near you, no matter where you are in the city, including their two new locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services for you, including great haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Uh, obviously, they've got all the great products as well to help you stay looking good throughout the week. Uh, make an appointment. Very simply, you can book your look via modernmanbarber.com at any of the eight locations. Give them a follow as well on Instagram over at Modern Man Barbershops. And uh, listen, the extreme cold warning has been lifted. It's still pretty cold outside. It's getting cold at night as well. And uh, modern uh, Manitoba Battery has Winnipeggers and Manitobans covered with the lowest prices on the best batteries in town, shopping local and beating the pants off the big box stores. Uh, it's that easy. They got you covered. And by the way, it'll get even easier coming up next month because Manitoba Battery is opening a brand new store in the south end of the city at 452 Dover Court. We'll let you know about sales and grand opening specials in the coming weeks as they get closer to opening the doors. In the meantime, you can still visit them at 1026 Logan Avenue, but you really don't have to because they'll deliver that battery to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's just that easy. For all your battery needs, go to manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 204-783-8787. And another win last night, another cheers to our friends at Canadian Club, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey. It has been Canada's favorite for so many years, and uh, I know there is uh, plenty of celebrating and maybe a few celebratory cocktails in downtown Winnipeg after wins. Uh, listen, if you're doing it at home, pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, and you can get all the Canadian Club favorites, original 100% rye, CC Classic 12-year-old, and while supplies last, a limited amount of the CC Invitation Series still remain. The 15-year-old Sherry Cask, the signature CC Classic 12-year-old whiskey, finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Casks, all the hallmarks of Classic Canadian Club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. Available now at Manitoba Liquor Marts, and remember, always Enjoy responsibly. All right, Ted Wyman's up next. Let's bring Teddy Drip in and uh, catch up with him on uh, his thoughts on the Jets and the Bombers. Ted, what is going on? This is one of the few times we're not seeing you in a local beer shirt. You're actually wearing a collar today. And uh, may I say, looking very great. Welcome back to the program, my friend. Well, you know, it's, I have about nine local beer shirts, and uh, you know, I guess it's time to do laundry. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I wanted to say, you know, I, I jumped in here as you and, and uh, Remo were talking about a Jets player, and I, I came right in in the middle, and you're talking hard work and popular with the fans, embodies Winnipeg. And I go, you're talking about Adam Lowry. It's obvious. I mean, those descriptions are so apt. And I thought about that watching last night's game, about the way the guy back checks, the way he um, can play at both ends of the ice right now and in all situations, and just thought, what an incredibly valuable player for the Jets to have. 
You know, you're right. You know, let me put that to the chat as well. It's a perfect why not question of the day for not Autocorp over at Waverly McGilvery. Maybe not necessarily your favorite, um, but you can put in your favorite as well. But who do you think is the most popular player on the Winnipeg Jets right now? And Ted, for a team that is playing the way they have, it still sounds crazy to say this, the number one team in the National Hockey League getting contributions from so many players with such a great atmosphere around the team. The guys that want it out are long gone. There's plenty of competition for the most popular player, and that's a very good thing for the hockey club. What an incredible couple months it's been for the Jets and their fan base. Yeah, absolutely. The the glory days, if you will. And, and I mean, the, obviously the question that comes to mind for many people is, can they maintain it? Uh, because last year at this time, right around the exact same time, they were right at the top of the Western Conference, top of the Central Division, and they weren't able to maintain it. But, you know, I mean, you, you put that question out there and people are very quick to point to the fact that last year's team didn't go 33 games allowing three goals or fewer, didn't go 13 games allowing two goals or fewer, didn't have the defensive structure that this team has, didn't have the buy-in all over the place that this team has. And I think those are all good reasons to suggest that there won't be a similar collapse to last year. The only thing that does come into mind for me is just that they do have this very light schedule over the next month, um, only five games up until the end of, uh, you know, really right until February 6th, I think, because they have their break and then the all-star break, and then they have a pretty easy schedule coming out of that. And you just can't help but wonder if you can lose your mojo. I put that question to lots of the Jets players on Monday, and they all said you have to be wary of it. You can't let that happen. Um, that many of them said to me, you'd, you'd like to play two games every second game because that's when you're really in a rhythm and you get going every second night, I should say. And obviously that's what the Jets did is they had their huge 14-game um, uh, point streak. But you have to learn to be able to manage the, the low times as well. They're going to get a couple of days off now. You got to come out and you got to continue to keep the the pedal down the way that they have to this point. And I don't see a reason why it won't happen. The rest should be good for this team because they've had injuries and they've got guys that are coming out of them like Connor Shifley should be back soon to ease them in when they don't have to play three games and four nights on the road all the time is going to be a much better situation for getting them healthy. Yeah, no, it is a great point. And I mean, man, I mean, the, if you would have told any Jet fan that the team would, what, lose two games through five weeks of losing Kyle Connor, they probably would have looked at you funny. But, uh, you know, it, everyone has stepped up in when Gabriel Velarde was out, now with Kyle Connor being out and Mark Shifley in this case, um, and they've found a way to uh, to get it done. And, you know, you mentioned the three-goal streak, uh, you know, the what, 32 games now with the three goals or less and the 13 games with two. Uh, there's another, and, and I mean, I know that this isn't really recognized, but I went through this, and maybe it's because <laughs> when, uh, you know, we're betting at CoolBet and we're doing goal totals, the uh, the total for the games is always in regulation. And it got me thinking and going back through the schedule. Like, the one time in December where the Jets gave up three goals was a power play goal in overtime for the Montreal Canadiens. It's 21 straight games that the Jets have allowed two goals or less in regulation, dating all the way back to that November 30th game against Edmonton. 
a game in which they were up one nothing with about five minutes left. That fluky goal went back hell, past Hellebuck for Darnell Nurse. They scored shortly afterwards, and the third goal was an empty netter. I mean, Ted, 21 games is more than a quarter of the schedule, and to think that no team has been able to beat a Jet goaltender three times in regulation to me might be more impressive and stunning than the other two streaks that maybe are getting a little bit more attention in the media for good reason as well. That's a great point, Haas, and it is it is impressive and stunning. All of it is because this just doesn't happen. You've seen the graphics. They come up during the broadcast. It shows that the Jets are right there amongst the greatest streaks of all time in this situation, and really only one of those streaks that's even comparable to the Jets was done in the modern era of hockey. I mean, 50 years ago when there's six teams is a different story, a much different story than it is uh, now. And and as uh, Dan Robertson po- pointed out on the Jets broadcast uh, last night, the, um, the, the Minnesota Wild in 2014 and 15 had 35 games where they gave up uh, three goals or less, and they were playing in a season when scoring was not at its premium. That's a season where the leading scorer in the league had 87 points. I mean, it's not... Um, it, it, it's a different time right now because, believe me, the leading scorer in the league is going to have a heck of a lot more of than uh, 87 points. It's a, it's a much higher scoring era. So for the Jets to do what they're doing is completely about looking the same way every night, and it's what they've all bought into. It's what they've been. That's what's been sold to them by Rick Bonus and the coaching staff, and these players are doing it. And I think Adam Lowry is the leader. Josh Morrissey is another leader. Guys are getting the players to follow it, fall in line and do what they need to do. And it doesn't matter if Kyle Connor's out of the lineup. It doesn't matter if Mark Shifley's out of the lineup. It doesn't matter if Gabe Velarde's out of the lineup. You'd like to have those guys, and you're going to be better when you do, but you don't have to rely on them, and that makes such a difference. And um, obviously, great goaltending. Connor Hellebuck proving once again that he's the best in the world uh, You know, right now at his craft. Laurent Brassois has been excellent as his backup. Um, there isn't just no it's, – it's just very, very hard to score against the Winnipeg Jets, and uh, they've made that their identity, and they've carried it through to this point. I thought maybe the last three games been a little bit of a step back, particularly the Islanders game. They gave up a lot more shots and chances than they have for the most part. That's not how they want it to look. But they still won that one, so I don't think too many people are complaining. Well, no, exactly. And, and you know, what was funny about last night's game is I think that, you know, Lane Lambert and Rick Bonus had similar speeches to their teams beforehand. And it was get to the net and shoot the puck and shoot the puck a lot. Um, you know, you need to have those opportunities to beat world-class goaltenders. And that it was right there with the best goaltending matchups you'll see all year in an NHL game. And... You know, with the amount of pucks the Jets put on Sorokin, um, they gave themselves the opportunities. And the Islanders grinded out and worked for space in the offensive zone with some success. And Hellebuck was there to uh, to shut the door. And, and, I mean, even if you look at the two goals that went in, I mean, that first goal, I mean, the deflection is as perfect as a deflection as you'll see. Stick outside the net, redirects in, absolutely no chance for the goaltender. And then a very bizarre one basically shot from the goal line. And both teams got sort of a weird one from behind the net. And sometimes that's what you have to do against world-class goaltending. But back to your point about, you know, missing Shifley in last night's game and previously missing Connor and Velarde before that. 
what I think is part of the identity of this Winnipeg Jets team, uh, Ted, and part of the reason why Bones has been able to roll four lines is that everyone is so bought in and so dialed in to the way that this team plays and have done it consistently night after night after night. Every single player that has put on a Jet jersey has had a big part in their success. The other side of that, of course, is that when Shifley and Gustafson get activated, it's going to be some real tough decisions as to who the odd guys out are. are. And I would suggest that with the amount of attention the Jets have been getting around the league and a lot of people watching the Jets and how they're playing, they're probably a bit more nervous about losing a player or two to waivers than they would have been in a similar situation in years past. Yeah, like how well did Dominic Toninato play in the last uh, few weeks while he's been part of this lineup? Uh, hasn't looked out of place at all. Uh, I, I think, you know, one of the reasons the Jets are as successful as they are is just having such a great bottom six. And and I'll even go further and say, I think a lot of people agree that when it's Lowry, Niederreiter, and Appleton, it's one of the best third lines in the league. But I think their fourth line has been one of the better fourth lines in the league. And they they do such a good job of keeping the puck in the offensive zone. And they generate way more chances than we're used to seeing around these parts from uh, fourth liners. Morgan Barron's been excellent. Uh, actually, Jansen Fialbi's played really well. They, you know, Tony Nato, when these guys are, like, it's just plug and play right now for this team. And so I don't think it should matter too much who comes in and out of the lineup here, but you're right. You know, maybe if they're trying to sneak somebody down to the farm, it's not going to be as easy as they would have hoped. And uh, I was going to say, uh, when you were talking about the goaltending matchup, it was fantastic. Uh, a couple of weird goals, and uh, apparently it helps if the goalie loses his skate blade, right? <laughs> hey, you know what? When things are going well for you, you don't ask how, you just take it. And, uh, yeah, Perfetti knocking the blade clean off of Sorokin's skate. And a great recognition and pass uh, over Neil Pionk, who put that sucker bar down to uh, get the Jets back into the lead. And then, of course, you had to feel good for Appleton last night. I mean, he uh, throughout this stretch where everyone has sort of had things go their way, he had been the one guy that had been in a real slump after the best first 20 games of his entire career. Um, again, they don't ask how, they ask how many. And that was a big one for Mason Appleton, even if it was one of the greasiest goals that the Jets will score as a team all year. He's riding his Packers mojo there, Hassan. That's right. <laughs> He's actually from Green Bay. So he has a real right to be a Packers fan more than, uh, you know, more than anybody. Born and raised, born and raised right, cheesehead. Right. Yeah, like I, I actually grew up a Packers fan as well, but I have no claim to it the way he does. So, uh, uh, but, but, you know, I mean, would you like to see more scoring out of Mason Appleton? Absolutely. And, you know, could he be a guy that moved down in the lineup and, and see what happens if they went, you know, if they wanted to do something different on that third line? Um, yeah, I imagine he could. Or even, you know, if he's not going to score at all, maybe you'd look at his numbers and you say he's a guy that could come out of the lineup. But I really like the chemistry that those three guys have. And I think that... Uh, it, it, you don't want to mess with that kind of success. It's been a really strong line. He, he's been with Adam Lowry for years, and I think that, that that is a combination that works really well. And clearly, when you put a player like Nino Niederreiter, who has no business playing in a bottom six, in my opinion, he's a very, very good player and could be a top six player anywhere in this league, it, he just makes that line so much more dangerous 
offensively. And so, again, it's the balance for that line that's made it into one of the best in the league. It was always a good checking line. Um, and, and, I, and I see them being uh, just as important down the stretch and into the playoffs as they have been to this point. Ted Wyman is with us from the Winnipeg Sun. Ted, it's so much fun talking about the Jets. We could just kind of do this for an hour. But I do have to talk Bombers with you because it is a very interesting point of the CFL calendar where players are being re-signed. Some are looking ahead to paydays on the open market. And it's been sort of quiet. And it's taken a lot longer for the Bombers to re-up some of their players than it has in the past. But we did see a couple significant player moves this week. One, a restructuring of Kenny Lawler's deal and now getting big Stanley Bryant back for another season, albeit at a bit of a pay cut. Tell us a little bit about these two specific financial moves for the club and yeah. what that means for the likes of Brady Oliveira, Dalton Schoen, and Kyle Walter's ability to sign one or both of those guys. Yeah, I, I think in the Lawler case, it's uh, it's a combination. It's a it's a salary, bit of salary cap magic, really, because my understanding is Lawler probably will take home more money because of this, because he gets more money in terms of his signing bonus than in terms of his hard salary. And the uh, signing bonus is taxed differently, and he has a chance to uh, actually take home more money by making less money. But it opens up $25,000 in extra money for someone else in, the, in terms of how the Bombers will handle the cap. And, uh, and and actually the actual signing of uh, some of their key players. And then Stanley Bryant just talked to him a couple hours ago on, the, on Zoom. And, um, you know, we talked to him uh, very specifically about whether he had to uh, make a sacrifice in some way to make sure that more players would be able to be signed. And he said, yes, that, uh, that he spent time thinking about that and, and he felt like it was something that needed to be done. And, uh, you know, I'm told it's not a significant uh, amount that he's taking less, but he didn't take more. And I mean, everybody wants more every year. They don't come in saying, please give me the same or give me less. They want more. And so for him to uh, agree to come back, and, and we're talking not about just any player either. That guy is a surefire, every single Hall of Fame you can imagine in Canada player, Blue Bombers, Ring of Honor, uh, and Canadian Football Hall of Fame guaranteed. I mean, he's Maybe one of the, you could argue he's the best offensive lineman of all time in the CFL. No one else has ever won four most outstanding uh, offensive lineman awards. He's been a seven-time CFL All-Star. He's been protecting Zach Caleros um, for four years now, and they've all been great seasons. This is not your average player, and he's willing to come back for a little bit less so that they can try to sign some of these other players, Oliver and Schoen, are going to cost a fortune. I don't even think I don't even know if it's really possible to sign both of them, uh, but they want to try, and they're having conversations. And it's important for players, and it's not just them. You know, it's veterans like Brandon Alexander and Jackson Jeffcoat and Drew Alatarski and Rashid Bailey, who are still unsigned, uh, that are, you know want to come back and want to be a part of this. And there's going to need to be enough money to go around. And it's. I think it's just good. I think Bomber fans probably love to hear that somebody like Stanley Bryan is willing to make that sacrifice. Um, give us just your, your feelings right now on Brady and Dalton Schoen. Um, the likelihood that one or both will be back for the Blue Bombers next season is? Uh, I'll say I think it's extremely likely. For me, it's very likely that Brady Oliveira is back. Um I'm doubtful on Schoen right now. I mean, it's hard to picture how it works. The fact is, Dalton Schoen's been 
if not the best receiver in the CFL, very close to it for his two seasons in the league. And I mean, we know that uh, Kenny Lawler just restructured his contract coming down from 310,000 a year to 285,000 a year. Um, was Kenny Lawler the Bombers' best receiver last year or was Dalton Schoen the Bombers' best receiver last year? Is Geno Lewis and Edmonton the best receiver or is Dalton Schoen the best receiver? I mean, the offer is going to be there for an immense amount of money for him, and I am just not sure that there's that the Bombers can do it. It's I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's going to be extremely difficult. I just don't see them being willing to let Brady Oliveira go, I think, for a guy who's from Winnipeg, who's had such great success, grew up being a Bomber fan. And, uh, you know, you talk about guys that embody Winnipeg. Brady Oliveira embodies Winnipeg. And he's incredible off the field. He's a, such a generous person. He's so great with the, with the fans, with the people in the community, with the dogs that he rescues, the work that he does. I just don't see letting him go, but he's not going to give them, uh, you know, an, an extreme discount. He's got a number that he wants, and um, the Bombers are going to have to sweat out how they can make that work and get a lot of these other important pieces in the lineup. And the problem is there's guys sitting there with contract offers, tentative contract offers that can't be made formal until the Bombers really know what it's going to cost them on that other front. Yeah, I know it is. A, it's a different off season for Kyle Walters, um, but the job is uh, quite clear. Stay on top of the West, and and in a lot of ways, you know, we talk about windows. Um, we realize that a number of players are getting older. There were some questions about potential retirements, and while they're focusing on this year, Ted, um, they're also certainly within Bomber management. I think is a real want to make sure that they give themselves every opportunity to be in the big game here in Winnipeg the following season. And I think all of that's playing into some of the decisions and, and certainly their discussions they're having with players right now to come back. Yeah, well, there's a lot of guys, uh, there's a lot of uh, desire to get guys on two-year contracts. They've already got um, Caleros and Nick Dembski through next season. Uh, they signed those contracts last year. There's been a couple of guys that have signed for two years as well. And, and the idea is to keep that going through to the 2025 Great Cup. I asked Stanley Bryant today if he'd want to be a part of that. He said he's that he doesn't think too that far ahead. He really isn't even sure for a little while after each season whether he really wants to keep playing. But there wasn't a ton of hesitation from him this season. He wanted to come back. He wanted to keep playing. Yeah, he's going to be 38, but he still sees himself as a top player. And uh, I personally, you know, I, I think I heard – Mike O'Shea say that Stanley Bryant at 80% is still better than most of the players in the league. So, um, you know, even, and I, I'm not even saying he has lost a step, but even if he had, he'd still be pretty darn good. And, uh, um, you know, I, I could see a lot of players wanting to be a part of that. You know, Willie Jefferson, he's a Winnipegger now. Brandon Alexander, he's not signed yet, but he's a Winnipegger now. Um, Stanley Bryant obviously has strong connections here. A lot of these guys do. And you'd really, you'd, you'd think that, just as the BC Lions are going to take a hard run at the very best optimum roster they can get this year because they're hosting, the Bombers are going to try to do the very same thing next year. The only thing with the Bombers is they've been at the top for as long as they have. It's pretty hard to stay there, uh, you know, even if you're trying to stretch it one or two more seasons. Ted, great stuff as always. Um, uh, fill people in. I know there's a new jet setting with you and the fellas out at the Sun. Uh, just fill people in on that and uh, what people can uh read in the papers uh, the jets have a couple days off getting ready for this road trip heading into the all-star break 
yeah, check out Jess Setting on WinnipegSun.com. Uh, doing that with Scott Billick. And um, we talked a lot about the Jets' defensive structure and about uh, Connor Hellebuck factor. And just, you know, is this his best season? And I think uh, you'll see Scotty Billick writing about that a bit in the in the pages of the Sun this week as well. And, uh, and a feature on uh, another player we've talked about quite a bit here, Adam Lowry, coming out. And, of course, if you want to see what I've been writing a bit on the uh, Stanley Bryant situation today, had a good interview with Jordan Younger yesterday, who's the new Bombers defensive coordinator. And you know what? Got to plug a little bit of curling. Grand Slam of Curling's on this week. Going to have a nice big feature on how that has impacted the curling world, that whole Grand Slam tour over the last uh, 20 some years. Love it. Cannot wait to read it in the sun. Ted, thanks for doing this. Have a great one. Stay warm, buddy. Have a great one, Hus. Good to see you. You too. There is our pal Ted Wyman from the Winnipeg Sun. Well, as we mentioned, Jets are hitting the road now after another very successful homestand. If you're able to get your hands on a ticket for January 27th against the Leafs, I suggest you do exactly that. WST crew is going to be up in Section 316. And another big, big Saturday night game after the player break and all-star break. That Saturday night, December, or February 10th game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, you know, the uh, tickets, I know they're going fast for the Minnesota game on the February 20th right now. So uh, check it out. You got the Valentine's Day game. What could be more romantic than a visit from the San Jose Sharks coming to town? Uh, the Wild as well. Um, the team's certainly earning the uh, respect of everyone in the market right now. If you've been on the fence, it's time to. Step up and get out to the building, winnipegjets.com slash tickets. Um, and I will mention again, if you are thinking about playoffs right now and getting back into season tickets, now would be a great time to give the Jets office a call, talk to someone there about counting yourself in for the remainder of this season with season ticket memberships and the playoffs and uh getting that season ticket number back up to where we all need it to be to have this team healthy and flourishing for many, many years to come. Again, it's all available over at winnipegjets.com. Um, Got to thank our friends at Wallace & Wallace for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk, the fencing and overhead door specialists in Winnipeg since 1946. Have you seen the fences and trucks all over the city? Right now, though, a real push is on on the uh, overhead door side of things because as we well know it, this is about the coldest time of the year, and this is the time that puts that much more stress on your garage door. The right time to prevent any downtime this winter is now. Give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace and & Wallace. And hey, as we kind of settle into the new year, Look ahead to the rest of winter and most excitedly spring and summer. You may be thinking that, that it's time to uh, juice up that wardrobe a little bit. Guys, if you're looking in your closet and realize you need to step up your menswear game, there's only one place to go in Winnipeg, and that is F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. Beautiful, made-to-fit custom suits that'll look great. Start at just 400 bucks, along with custom chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories unlike anywhere else in Winnipeg. And by the way, if this is a big year for you because you're getting married or you're in a wedding party with one of your boys, 
Talk to them as well, but a 15% discount when you get your wedding party suited up at F Apparel. No rentals. You'll be able to well, wear that suit and look great long beyond the big day. That's the way to do it. Find out more online, F Apparel. That's E-P-H-Apparel.com. You can also make an appointment to pop in and see the guys at F Apparel. And again, they're located just down the way from Canada Life Center at 190 Smith Street downtown. All right, Murata Tesh is coming up with us in just a minute. But I want to get to a couple more clips. Uh, we've got Darren Drager here uh, in a minute. Just first, let's hear from Mason Appleton-Ream. Uh, of course, a big win and a big goal for uh, the one jet who was mired in a pretty lengthy slump. Uh, it was no Picasso, but it counted, and it was the winner last night. Here's a uh, relieved Mason Appleton after last night's game. Packers win, you score a goal. Great start to the week, no? <laughs> Great start to the week. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, obviously a good Packers win, but uh, big win tonight by us, I thought. Uh, you know, when you go on such a long win streak and then you drop one game, you want to get right back to your winning ways. And, uh, you know, that, that's obviously a really good hockey team, really disciplined team. Uh, they don't give you much, but uh, we found a way to win tonight, and, you know, we're back on the right track. Uh, we think that good teams don't lose two in a row, especially at home. So, uh, yeah, it was a big win for our club. Take us through your goal. Uh, I mean, when you go, when you have quite the streak of not scoring, I think uh, you just got to, you know, get a greasy one around the net. So it's kind of funny how that went in, but uh, – Certainly take it. Does Kenny Chesney ever sounded better to you? No, no, he really hasn't. Uh, yeah, that was, that was nice. That does count as greasy, that one, I guess, doesn't it? Oh, certainly. Uh, I think, like, their D-man kind of had it, and I was just, like, kind of poking at it. Like, not even trying to shoot it and score. Just one of those bang-bang, and it's in the back of the net. I'm like, there we go. I needed that. <laughs> yeah, he needed that, and the team needed that last night. Great to see the cheesehead Mason Appleton getting one last night and a big one for his club. All right. And this is something we'll touch on with Murata Tesh. Um, you know, as we look ahead to the trade deadline and, you know, certainly the way the team looks without Mark Shifley, where the targets may be. Darren Drager joined the insider trading last uh, group last night on TSN and had this to say about uh, how the Jets project to uh, be in the market come the 8th of March. Well, a couple of things. And look, it's hard to critique a team that is hovering near the top of the National Hockey League, but every club has that wish list. So if you're Kevin Chevalier off in the Winnipeg Jets, you're perhaps looking at adding a centerman. Now, the center market hasn't fully been exposed yet and likely creep closer to the trade deadline. But if there is a fit and if there's an affordable fit, then yes, they would look to be uh, doing something along those lines. They would also like to add a depth defenseman. Every contending team wants that. But in the meantime, they've got Kyle Connor back and they're looking forward to seeing the chemistry develop between Kyle Connor and Gabe Velarde. All right. So, um, you know, not anything that we haven't really talked about, Remus, but um, I think especially when you look at the way the lineup was last night without Mark Shifley, you realize how dependent the team is on their number one center. And I think uh, a recognize, uh, you know, recognizing the fact that if they could get another impact player that could play in the middle in the top six, that might really put the jets in a category of not just a contender, uh, but potentially one of the favorites. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, Nemestikov has been really solid. Adam Lowry as well, but they want to make an impact. You're looking at an acquisition similar to the way they got uh, Paul Stasny. 
or Kevin Hayes, even though ultimately uh, the Kevin Hayes one maybe didn't work out as well. But uh, that type of impact player who can step in to the number one role and maybe isn't playing a bit out of slot. And look, Adam Lowry and Mastikov played really well, but you never have too many centers. Us, we've seen how important it is. So uh, I wasn't really surprised by that. And he also mentioned depth defensemen. Uh, and you've mentioned here the team, the organization's philosophy on defense. And we've seen them grab D at the deadline. Joe Morrow, playoff hero here. I think about him. Uh, Jay Harrison was one. Uh, Naple U. I'm thinking of all the depth defense. Jordy Ben. Jordy. Oh, yeah. Jordy Ben. That was going. So, uh, you know, if you want, it sounds to me like they're happy with the way the top six are. And they're just looking for How someone. could they not be? And as much as, yeah, you want to be like, yeah, they need, you know, a number, another number 2D, you know, behind Morrissey or something. You know, you want to look at a Jacob Chikrin or someone who may be falling out of favor uh, with Ottawa, uh, who's, you know, going to be a free agent soon. But you look at the team's goals against Hustler, the number one in the league in goals against. So, I mean, what more can you really uh, improve upon? So, uh, going to be interesting. You know, they've always done stuff. At the deadline, so I'm starting to get like it's insider season now, Huss. Like we're here paying attention to insider trading, we're paying attention to trade bait boards. It's all happening leading up to the March deadline, and uh, I'm feeling good because I know it's going to be a lot of a lot of people tuning in to what we have to say uh, here. And but the speculation can begin on what player the Jets are going to get, and you know I know I think you and Marat mentioned Adam Henrique. His name has been on. Trade bait boards, Elias Lindholm, and it's fun to look at trade bait boards. But we all—it's been a trend that Chevy goes off the board and gets that guy that no one is really talking about. But it has to be someone who's going to be a fit, you know, fit the the roster, but you know, fit the organization, looking for a certain uh, type of person and player as well. So this is going to be fascinating here, upcoming. And hopefully, everyone can stay healthy, of course, because injuries can really change uh, everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is a good point. I mean, and what they're looking for a player. But, you know, I mean, I, I really do believe that part of the identity of this team is how everyone has really chipped in. There's not anybody seemingly above other players. They are a, a quintessential team. Um, and, you know, the, the type of player and the makeup of that player, both on the ice and in the dressing room, I'm sure, is something that's important to that club as well. Um, but needless to say, that 2C position and potentially something on the blue line, I think, would be spots where they'd look to add. Although I will argue that with the way that the top six has played this year, um, the fact that they've got Logan Stanley and Declan Chisholm that can't get into the lineup. Billy Hainala, who's playing now with the Manitoba Moose, Kyle Capabianco, who had played in the past, and I think they would be fine bringing up to be a depth defenseman. I'm not sure the need for the depth player is there this year as much as a guy that could come in and kind of reset the depth chart playing into the uh, playing into the top four. Uh, we'll get to all of that in just a minute with, uh, with Murata Tesh. Um, by the way, just for you Raptor fans, a bit of breaking news from the NBA. Uh, the uh, Indiana Pacers finalizing a trade to acquire one of the all-time great Raptors, Pascal Siakam. Siakam uh, does have an expiring contract, uh, and it sounds like the Raptors are getting Bruce Brown, Jordan Nwora, and three first-round picks for Pascal Siakam. So a bit of a rebuilding mode right now, it seems, for the Raptors 
after the OG Ananobi trade that brought R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly back to the Raptors. So uh, for you hoop heads that follow the Raps, uh, some big news from the Woads this afternoon. Pascal Siakam on the way to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, all right, let's welcome in Murata Tesh to the program of The Athletic. Of course, you can read all of Murat's work at theathletic.com. Murat, what's going on? How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right, Huss. How are things? How you keeping? Well, things are good. Uh, I, I made it back yesterday, um, albeit a little late after an incident at the border. Um, and it has taken me four days or so, but I have finally, finally warmed up after one of the coldest nights of my life at Arrowhead Stadium on the weekend. But I was warned by a big Chiefs win, and I was warned by a big Jet win last night on home ice. So uh, all things uh, being equal, I have nothing to complain about right now. We know it's going to be cold in Winnipeg in January, but the local hockey team, I think, is legitimately doing a lot to keep spirits up amongst the citizens of this city, and they did it again last night with a big win over the New York Islanders. Before we look ahead to everything coming up right now, just uh, your thoughts on uh, the game last night, the 4-2 win featuring the return of Kyle Connor. Yeah, so, um, you know, just so every, we're all on the same page. I actually missed last night's game, at least not in the building. Um, I watched it from couch last night, was, was feeling day-to-day a little under the weather. Um, so I did catch it, but from a different vantage point than usual, and, and you know what, I my big takeaway was that there were there was a big pushback to improve the quality of play from Saturday night's game, and that was the thing I was looking for. It was Winnipeg had done nothing but win, nothing but win. Uh, it had to pull a, a game out of its hat last week, uh, you know, last Thursday, um, coming back very late in the game to, to steal a win at the end of a winning streak. And, okay, well, what are, what's going to happen now? Does last season's... You know, January swoon, begin again. How does the team respond? And then how do you do all of that while reintegrating Kyle Connor, who, you know, for all I was concerned, could have been at any level of play. I wasn't sure how he'd step back in. And I thought he did a great job. His play on the empty net goal, two great stick checks or or two great plays with his stick to get the puck into the neutral zone. Scores, that's nice. I'm sure people are happy to have him back. And the number one thing for me... um, Connor didn't make many mistakes last night. It was a good game. It was like almost an astonishingly smooth re-entry for him on his way back in. So credit to him and his red beard for that. Um, but one play, one giveaway uh, uh, while trying to exit the Jets zone. And the only reason I'm pointing at that is because it points at the story of the season for me. He makes a giveaway on an exit. Okay, so the Islanders are coming back the other way. But what's left behind him? And... Adam Lowry, Neil Pionk, Brendan Dillon, perfect triangle. Uh, Gabriel Velarde, ready to play weak side defensive help. And when a team's structure is that good, um, you know, it can cover over a lot of things, including maybe the only mistake Kyle Connor made in a, in a really smooth debut or re-debut, I guess, if you can accept it. You know, um, I thought Kyle Connor looked great. You know, he, he, it really didn't seem like he missed a, missed a beat. He did look a little different. Do you think your haircut inspired Kyle Connor to get his <laughs> his haircut? You know, maybe he missed the banter with Rick Bonus, and uh, yeah. you know, being away from the team, he just wanted a little trim, have some commentary. Um, the I, I assume that most people are more observant about these sorts of things than me. But has his beard always been that red? Like, 
It's pretty red, but I think it's got more to it. So it is looking even redder. Like I can't imagine what it would be like if he really like he grew the the libel or the uh, Elliot Friedman pandemic version. Yeah, um, I mean, it would perhaps be- they win a playoff round or two and get a chance to see what that looks like. You know, here I'll, I'll chime in. I was looking at pictures for the thumbnail, and I looked at some pictures of him from last year. It was not that red. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure. I, I highly doubt he went to Modern Man and got beard coloring services. So uh, maybe this just is a natural progression in Kyle Connor's facial hair. And uh, and not necessarily a regression, but definitely a more aerodynamic look to Kyle being on the game last night. I, you know, I, I'm glad you brought up that point um, about the empty netter because this wasn't Kyle Connor just being fed the puck from somebody else that won a puck battle. This was uh, Kyle Connor on a couple of occasions being in the way, um, which is something that the Winnipeg Jets have been doing very well consistently for a long time right now, Marat. Um, And for him to be able to make a defensive play like that with the empty net and then skate away from everyone and ice it, um, I I think a, a, a very nice part of Kyle Connor's game coming back that we're not just talking about him shooting the puck and looking dangerous offensively. Um, because I had thought quite a bit about what it was like for Kyle being out of the lineup, in the press box, watching these games on television or from elsewhere in the building, seeing what his teammates were doing night in and night out and winning consistently while he was away. You know what word I zoomed in on for me when he was talking to reporters yesterday in advance of playing was selfless. He was asked what he saw uh, the Jets do while he was away, and he said they've been playing selfless hockey. And I think that that perfectly encapsulates it. And for a player who can, you know, in in those dark days of of Jets lore a couple of years ago when the defense collectively was quite bad and Connor Hellebuck was the only positive story sometimes instead of just one of many, you know, Kyle Connor could get caught poaching. He could be leading for offense, cheating the zone before the puck was safe, all those sorts of things. But I haven't seen that from him this season. And even before his injury – you know, the energy level for defense, the effort level for defense, the back tracks. Uh, there was a memorable power play giveaway that led into just an incredible back check and some really great defensive coverage for him. I think he's bought in and dialed in to what Bonus has been preaching. And there are going to be moments where on an exit play, and I focus on those for Cal Connor, sometimes when he's staring down, you know, one of the NHL's bigger defensemen on those exit plays, He's not as effective as getting that puck out as, say, Nino Niederreiter would be. Everything else, everything else, I think the effort level, the hustle, the the understanding of what those defensive reads are in Bonus's system, I think is there. And he wants to be, you know, one of the best players on the planet. And um, I, I've never doubted the will, I think, but I think that prior to maybe these last couple of seasons under bonus, I think Winnipeg's wingers were let get away with quite a lot. That wasn't very good defensive work. Um, You add that, you add the structure in behind him. Like I say, even on that one example of a giveaway, if everybody's there, well then your, your aces like Kyle Connor can be a little bit more aggressive and do things like that too. Um, I don't know. I, I have a lot of time for, and I know it was just one game, but I have a lot of time for Kyle Connor making a smooth, uh, you know, seamless reintegration to the Jets lineup. Um, let's assume that Shife's back on on Saturday, and we can get to the tough decision that the team's going to have to make with, uh, you know, presumably putting somebody on waivers uh, or a move to the Manitoba Moose. 
But how do you think the top six looks when Shafley is back in the lineup? I think that the Jets are hungry to to let the Connor Velarde duo roll a bit. I don't think they've gotten much of a look at it. So I think that despite the Ehlers version of that line with Velarde and Shifley going 15 and four, by which I mean 15 Jets goals and four goals against the Jets in the minutes they played. I think Winnipeg wants to see what's cooking between those two players, Velarde and Connor. I think Shifley would go between them, um, which means now you've got Ehlers as a second line player uh, and the trickle down of that and trying to find minutes for a guy who really has rounded into form after kind of a rougher start. I think that's going to be one of the challenges because you know Adam Lowry is a lock, a sure thing, a set it and forget it. You're going to get a hardworking game from him on that third line. And it's that second line I wonder what is going to look like and if Bonus can find minutes for it. Um, What are the pros and cons to that? Like, I I know, I mean, again, some people, like, (laughs) it's funny when you read discourse and I realize social media is not probably a good example of the fan base uh, as a whole. Um, But you see some people bent that Ehlers is, you know, might be playing a little less and not being on that top line. I mean, the more I think about it, I mean, to get preferential matchups and have Ehlers with Perfetti, who I thought has looked great, along with Nemetsnikov, there are some benefits to that. Um, But again, there's opportunity cost to everything. I I guess would the thought behind this be that the ceiling of Shifley, uh, Connor, Velarde could be very high, and at the same time, you have a player in Nikolai Ehlers that we all know can drive a line pretty much on his own, playing with Cole Perfetti and Nemetsnikov, who he's had success with. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I think, I just think that Kyle Connor has that, that like renown, that respect, that this guy is a first-line winger, no questions, and Ehlers, for whatever reason, is seen not as much in that, in that light. There are questions. I think for me, this is all opinion. This is all interpretation. Um, for me, what Kyle Connor has done to to assert that or to become that player is he seems like a more consistent player to people observing him. The mistakes that he makes, you know, sometimes on exit, sometimes in certain situations, they're not from him sort of freewheeling. I, I accuse Nikolai Ehlers of playing jazz quite a bit where players don't always know what he's going to do. Maybe it causes an offside or maybe, you know, he burns into the offensive zone and then he loops around the net. Not everybody's sure exactly what he's going to do. I think that um, it's one of those things where perception and reality might not necessarily align. I think both of them are first line caliber wingers. And I think the fact that Ehlers frustrates people sometimes with mistakes at the line and that sort of thing um, is one of those things that sticks in memory, even if the total impact that he has is just dominant five-on-five play. So I think that's why a little bit of that happens. Um, also, certainly Shifley likes predictable line mates. I think that that's a thing. He talks about, you know, you hear him talk about the power play. What's not working? Well, we're not going to our spots at the right times. Or the way he protects the puck in the offensive zone, um, he likes players who see the game in a similar way, like Velarde, like Connor. And I think that there's potential for chemistry there. And that's the pro, the potential for chemistry, that those three players or Shifley, Connor, and Velarde are just going to tear things apart, you know, just like the Ehlers version did, but they're going to tear things apart. And now the second line gets Ehlers as a weapon. Um, one of the perhaps pros is that idea that the second line gets soft minutes because bonuses priorities very clearly. If you look at the way the lines go out, Shifley, 
and Lowry are priorities. Get that first line big minutes. Use that Lowry line as a, as a shutdown line, a high leverage minutes line, all those sorts of things. When there's penalties, when there's TV timeouts, all those little opportunities for a coach to reset what the line rotation is, usually it's get Shifley back out there, get Lowry's line back out there, and that second line kind of can get lost in the shuffle. That's why you see it end up with minutes at the end of the night, like why Nikolai Ehlers plays less per night than Mason Appleton does, for example, or Perfetti plays even less than all of that, despite being on the quote-unquote second line. And I think, just to wrap that all up, like, one of the pros is that when they do get out there, they should be getting out there against, you know, less dynamic opposition. A con is when they're good flat out period, you probably want more of them. Like I think in a perfect world, you would get a little bit more of them as well as the important minutes from those other lines, which are great. And I think that's going to be one of the problems for the jets to solve, whether it's the line utilization, whether it's getting that second line center that gives them confidence face off wise or zone exit wise because they're leaving a little bit on the table, I think, if those guys don't get a little bit more minutes compared to some of Winnipeg's other forwards. You know, I, I also think about this, and I know people have their favorite players and they obsess over one particular guy, and that's what fans do, and I get that. That's not the job of the head coach. The head coach is to give yourself the best chance to win night in and night out, and there is absolutely no doubt that Rick Bonus has been doing that. Um, just look at the standings. But I do have time. And I guess the more I think about this, and I'll get your your take on it, Marat, that I think the Jets know that their first line is going to be deadly no matter who they have on it. If Mark Shifley's playing center and you have two of Kyle Connor, Gabe Velarde, Nikolai Ehlers on it, that line is going to get theirs and be a handful for their opponents. I think the more I see those players play outside of that line when we talk and I guess we haven't seen much of Kyle Connor to do that but I don't know in my mind I think Nikolai Ehlers being such a driver himself makes the second line the best incarnation of that line of Nemetsikov Perfetti with one of those three players outside of Shifley and it may do that's a good point I mean because of his capability it might make that the best version I think the if that's the case, then the Jets still would benefit from finding more opportunities to get it out there. Uh, sometimes you see its minutes uh, get cut or get kind of lost in the shuffle, even you know in tie games or with the Jets up a goal or something to that effect as well, where maybe that win the defensive zone draw and get it out mentality doesn't necessarily need to be there as much. So I have time for that. One thing that I'm thinking of is one of the best versions of the Jets last season was when Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois were, were going at, uh, going really well together. And like the possibility of Connor working with other players definitely exists. He's such a high-quality player. He, he's such a, he thinks quickly. He reads quickly. His offensive instincts are wonderful. Like I think that he could make hay with other players. But if you're sizing up what Perfetti and Nemesnikov or whoever else might end up on that line, if you're looking at them and saying, well, what's going to fit with them? Maybe it is the zone exit or sorry, zone entry wizard that is Nikolai Ehlers that fits best. It lets you keep him with Nemestikov, who seems to understand the way he plays. Perfetti, a very cerebral player as well. Like I guess I can I can see it, and then I just want more because if it's good and if it's outscoring, that's the thing. I see it outscore or an Ehlers version of most lines 
outscore its opposition consistently, I'm like, just crank that dial up, just more of that. Because, you know, Niederreiter, Lowry, and Appleton, tremendous matchup line, shutdown line, all of that. But their offense has, you know, faded a little bit in the last month or two. They're not dominant in an offensive capacity like they were in the first half of the season. And maybe maybe there's a little bit of room to give there and spare, spell them off a little bit so that the top leverage minutes that they get um, you know, they can be more even even more focused and energized. That's the word, uh, energized for that. That's kind of my thinking. You know, um, and maybe this isn't the best day to bring this up considering Appleton um, broke his uh, goal slump last night and scored an important one in the greasiest fashion we might see all year. Um, but do you see a moment, and again, the trade deadline's a big part of this. I mean, you know, we'll see whether the Jets add somebody in the middle that can play top six. But I'll be honest, and I think I said this at the start of the year, I expect at some point before we're done to see a third line running of Lowry with Niederreiter and Alex Iafalo. Do you see that in the future? Or um, is Mason Appleton just so connected with those guys that he's played with that, um, that we'll probably see more of the status quo, presuming Appleton can maybe uh, you know get over this slump and be a little bit more productive? Yeah, you know, I, I go back to off-season projections on that. Like, I think when I was sizing up the Jets lineup heading into the year, Iafalo, Niederreiter, and Lowry were who I was imagining as the third-line shutdown line, knowing that Lowry, like, man, do I believe in that guy as a third-line center when he's got quality like Niederreiter, Appleton, Iafalo, et cetera, on the wings. Like, I really think that that's a, that's a strong look for the Jets. Um, so I have time for it. The thing that I don't see is it happening, to be honest. And I think that Mason Appleton's sort of reliability and status doing a few of the the key things that Rick Bonus really, really believes in, whether it's getting that puck out um, and or like whether it's just portraying himself as a as a strong forecheck or doing the physical things, battling hard. Like I think he meets the checklist that Bonus is looking for in that capacity. Um, I go back to you know when. Bonus used to run Lowry and Appleton out at five on, oh, sorry, at three on three in overtime. Like that's a degree of belief. That's a perception. Um, and so we can draw it up and we can fine tune the knobs of like exactly what the Jets need to do. They're a quality team getting quality results. And if the coach likes it that way, I think the coach is going to keep it that way. Um, quickly before we run, uh, we were just mentioning uh, Drager's uh, bit on. Um insider trading last night uh, about sort of where the, the Jets are looking. Um, I've sort of maintained that I think, especially when you see what the lineup looks like without Mark Shifley, that there is a a real, I don't want to say an opportunity, if you brought a second-line center to come in and kind of reset that depth chart in the middle, as great as Vlad Demetstikov has been so far this year. Um, are you on, on that line of thinking? And, and I guess the other side of that is for depth defensemen, which has always been something the Jets have picked up. Do they have those depth defensemen already within the club? And if they do anything on blue line, on the blue line, it would be maybe a bigger swing at a more prominent player that could, you know, potentially reset the depth chart and fit into the top four. Well, you know, it's interesting. And I actually, I haven't seen the Dreger segment yet. So pardon me on that. Um, the, the thought of a second line center for me 
is appealing because you keep hearing me like whining about, oh, like Ehlers is such a dominant five on five player, get more minutes. And I think that, you know, if you, I think I read this on Daily Faceoff today that the Winnipeg Jets are the worst faceoff team among playoff among teams in playoff position right now. And if that's true, you know that grinds Rick Bonus's gears. It's an important facet of the game, particularly to him. Um, I think that he's talked about it with enough emphasis for us all to know that that's a priority for the Winnipeg Jets. Vladislav Nemesnikov, I think career is something like 42%. And I think this season it's something like 38%. He's not winning draws like, you know, you would like uh, a second line center to do. And so part of me wonders if, you know, the Sean Monahans of the world who are exceptional faceoff winners would give the coaching staff more of a, of a confidence to go to that second line. Or maybe it's just that they are really good at, at controlling matchups for two lines and they're okay with that other one getting lost. I keep thinking that if they have that centerman, um, they're, they're able to crank up the minutes for those guys, or at least that's how they see it, is, is my guess. Um, so that's what, I'm, that's what I think of when I think of the, the Jets in, in terms of forward needs. In, on defense, um, it would be fun if there were someone so good that it reset the depth chart completely, I think that would be appealing. I keep, you know, I, I mentioned Dustin Bufflin every once in a while, and I know he's a once in a generation player. Uh, but like, if you could just snap your fingers and add 2018 Dustin Bufflin to this team, it's an even like, it's just an incredible wagon. Um, but, you know, this is an idea and I don't know if there's any truth to this or any, any reason to talk about it. Do you remember the year that Tampa Bay picked up Zach Bogosian? And we all sort of went, what? Like, why? Um, and then they used him, like, in a rotation as high as the first pair on some nights. And they used him in, in really, like, strange leverage situations. Like, it's worth a whole study on the minutes that Bogosian got with the Tampa Bay Lightning in an important playoff run for them. And sometimes I wonder about these Winnipeg Jets and if you're not finding that top four guy that's going to bump everybody down or that top two guy that's going to bump everyone down, are you looking for that sort of sandpaper that's not going to hurt you with his puck movement and all of that if you control his minutes and then you use his physicality at certain elements of, or in certain times during the playoffs? It's like it's a pet theory that I've picked up in terms of what the Jets might be looking for. Well, I, I got to tell you, it's going to give us lots to talk about over the course of uh, the next month or so because um, the team has certainly shown that they are a legit cup contender. They're on the top of the standings. And um, I think that just makes people more intrigued as to what might come at the deadline. Hey, just on the way out, great moment last night at the building. Fans on their feet congratulating Bones on uh, his first visit to the All-Star Game. Uh, fill people in on your piece on uh, bonus that they can read right now at The Athletic. I thought it was a, uh, a great dive into the effect that Rick Bonus has had on this club, turning it from a team that wasn't playing up to its potential to a team right now that's looking down at 31 teams in the NHL standings. Yeah, I, I really tried to tell the, the complete story as much as possible. And, you know, people forget sometimes because things have gone relatively well and so well this season – just what he was walking into. And if you go back to June 2022, you know, he had turned down offers to coach, not head coaching offers, but he turned down jobs. He was contemplating retirement. 
him and Judy were looking at houses in Scottsdale to be near their son, Ryan, who works in the senator's organization now, but who was working in Pittsburgh, but living in Scottsdale at that time as well. Um, there were a whole lot of factors pointing towards he's not going to come back. But when he gets the phone call from Kevin Dayoff, and I tell a little bit of story about that because I was able to talk to Ryan Bonus and some other people who would have known what was going on at that juncture in, in the Bonus family's life. Uh, you know, he misses the call. He gets back to him and you're wondering, like, what could possibly change his mind or keep him in it? And, and all of the reasons why for him, it sort of had to be Winnipeg, why Winnipeg was the perfect fit. Then go through everything he's changed, all of the impacts. Tell a little family story because he's a family guy. I, I really I wanted to tell this story for a while. And I'm glad that, you know, that all star nomination was a real great opportunity to get that out there. Uh, it's awesome, folks. Get over to theathletic.com and check it out ASAP. Marat, stay warm. Have a great one. And thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Haas. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. There's Marat Atesh. Uh, all right. We are actually going to welcome in Parker Ford from the Manitoba Moose in just a second. Uh, let me give a big shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Saw a few generics being enjoyed last night at the game. Of course, Winnipeg's favorite local beer now available at Canada Life Center for all Jets and Manitoba Moose games. And if you pop by your Manitoba Liquor Mart to your local beer store, make sure to check out generic lager now available. $19.99 for eight packs of the Tall Boys. But the best place to enjoy Little Brown Jug has to be their brewery and tap room down on William Avenue. Get everything fresh out of the keg where it's made. Uh, check out their merchandise and bring home your favorites as well. And again, you can always check them out online. Order online with local delivery options as well over at littlebrownjug.ca. Um, you know, I uh, geared up with the uh, little Chiefs gear over at Royal Sports for my trip to Arrowhead on the weekend. Uh, that was fun. Uh, but right now, what's moving at Royal is Winnipeg Jets merchandise. If you're looking to add uh, a new piece or two to your game wear, Royal Sports is the place to do it. All the jerseys of your favorite players, customized as to your liking. Um, you know, thousands of uh, hats, jerseys, hoodies, and more all waiting for you with tons of exclusives you won't find anywhere else. While you're there, check out the NFL section, baseball, NBA, international soccer, and of course the biggest and best hockey department in town and other cool things to get you through the winter like snowboards, boots, and bindings. All there at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And give them a follow on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Couple days off for the Winnipeg Jets. Moose are going to be back in action this weekend. And of course, the best place to uh, watch the games on the road is your local Boston pizza. Scarf down those world famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas. Enjoy a couple of ice cold schooners as well. Keep you warm with the best that Boston pizza has to offer. And hey, if you are staying at home, you can always get it hot and fresh to your door by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, really looking forward to this next visit. This was a guy that joined the organization late last year after graduating from uh, finishing up his college career and uh, was really one of the stories of training camp and is now going through his first full professional season. It's great to welcome in from the Manitoba Moose who are at home on Friday and Saturday night at Canada Life Centre. Parker Ford. Parker, what's going on? Great to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, it's going pretty well. The uh, you know I uh, obviously right now you're uh, just looking to get some wins right now for the club, but I kind of wanted to just back it up a little bit for you. Um, take us through your experience with the Moose at the end of last season after uh, finishing up a four-year career in the NCAA. What was that transition like uh, joining a team towards the end of the season? Um, most of players that had been there throughout and kind of getting your feet wet and pro. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a whirlwind of an experience. You know, I was at college for four years uh, in my home state of Rhode Island. And then, you know, I, and I wasn't sure where I was going to end up when my season ended there. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to sign with the Jets and uh, finish the season with the Moose. And it was a great experience. You know, I got, I got to play about 10 games uh, at the end of the season. And then I got to be a part of the playoff push. So, um, you know, it, it was really cool to play playoff hockey, uh, playoff pro hockey right away. Um, I think that was that was really cool. I mean that's the best kind of hockey at the end of the year. So um, I was happy I was able to get out here and kind of get my feet wet in pro hockey. Now, you mentioned uh, playing for Providence College in your hometown state. Rhode Island, I believe, is the smallest state in the union. Um, is it a hockey state at all? Tell us about growing up. I mean, your, uh, your, your path to Providence College and then, of course, a, a, a pro career. Yeah, it's a really small state. Um, you know, it takes about 20 to 30 minutes to get everywhere. But, um, you know, that's there's a lot of hockey history there, actually. You know, it's uh, there's um, not many Rhode Island guys in the NHL right now. But, um, you know, the Mount St. Charles program, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of history there with Bill Belisle. And he produced a lot of NHL players. But, you know, growing up, um, I'm from southern Rhode Island and, hockey it, it it was new there and it, it wasn't great so um you know from a very young age i was traveling all over new england to uh, massachusetts um connecticut new hampshire and that's kind of where the better hockey was uh, i think massachusetts is a little bit ahead in the hockey development so um you know i was i've always been traveling um a lot with hockey and um, you know, I was fortunate to play at Providence College. That was my dream school. I, I always grew up going to those games and uh, watching those guys. So, um, you know, that was a true blessing to play there uh, in front of my friends and family for four years. And, um, you know, those were some of the best years of my life. Uh, tell us about Providence College. I mean, that's a, I mean, it has been a powerhouse NCAA program that he has put together some really, really great teams. Uh, but it's not a very big school at all, is it? No, no, it's small. There's about four to 5,000 kids there. And, um, you know, the head coach there, Nate Lehman, he's done a great job, um, you know, developing guys there. Uh, he's, there's a handful of guys in the NHL now. And uh, they won a national championship a couple of years back. And, this year, uh, they're right in the running for that again. I think they're a top 10 team. And, um, you know, when I was there, we unfortunately, we couldn't really bring any hardware home. But, um, you know, we were in contention every year. Uh, we had some great teams there and great players. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to be a Providence Friar fan for life uh, since I'm right in the backyard. How, uh, I mean, 
I guess the obvious question is how the heck do they do it? Because I mean, you're going up against, you know, Minnesota and like huge schools like Michigan, um, you know, it, it, and, and how many of the players are local um, that, you know, contribute to, uh, to Providence's uh, success. Yeah, there's, um, there's quite a bit of Massachusetts local players. Um, every, every year there was just me and maybe one or two other Rhode Island natives, but um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful campus. I mean, a lot of kids come visit the school and they have no idea uh, how beautiful the campus is. And I think they really fall old too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of history, you know, it's um, uh, the Dominican friars, you know, it's a uh, Catholic school. So, um, you know, the hockey goes way back and, uh, but they've done a lot of great renovations to the campus and um, you know, basketball is also very big there. So that's uh you know, that gets a lot of kids to come to the campus too. Parker Ford's with us with the uh, Manitoba Moose. Now, before we start talking about this season with the Moose for you, um, you know, like I'll be honest, I mean, you know, we knew that you, you joined the organization last year and played eight games with the Moose, had a nice start. But I did think, you know, you were one of the players that really opened up a lot of eyes in training camp and, you know, certainly earned your way right down to uh, being basically the final guy assigned to the Manitoba Moose. Take us back to the start of this year and uh, your first full NHL training camp experience and how it went for your perspective. Yeah, I think uh, leading up to the training camp, a lot of it was just getting ready mentally for it. I mean, I knew I knew I was a free agent signing. I'm not, I wasn't drafted and I knew I had to prove myself one way or the other. And uh, the first couple of days of training camp, you know, it, it was tough. I wasn't, I feel like I wasn't really um, getting the looks that I wanted to. And I kind of just, it kind of came down to looking in the mirror and I said, I, I need to, I need to do something to open somebody's eyes. And um, I think that really just motivated me to, you know, work as hard as I could and um, just bring something to the table. And I think, uh, you know, I did something right there and I, I was able to get in a couple of preseason games and that's just the mentality I kept. I, I want to, I want to show them that I can be an NHL player and I know I have to develop a little bit here, but um, you know, that's, that's been my goal for my whole life. And over the summer, you know, I've, it, it was a lot of mental uh, training and getting ready to try to prove uh, that I belonged well, I mean, uh, you, you certainly did. And, I mean, in those preseason games, it wasn't just getting into games, but it was scoring, it was making an impact. I mean, uh, how much fun was that, first of all, just to put an NHL jersey and be in those situations? And how much confidence did, did that give you when you went to the Manitoba Moose to begin your first full season as a professional? Yeah, I mean, it, it was really cool to put that jersey on, even though it was a preseason game. You know, it kind of gave me chills uh, right away. And, uh you know, I was, I was fortunate to get uh, a couple points there. and um, But, you know, just looking at the way I played, I think that's uh, – it was just kind of a reward because I, I thought I was working really hard. and Just doing the little things right, which is, as a player, that's something I've always kind of uh, held with me is just doing little things right and winning my battles. So, um, you know, it was, it was really cool to, you know, put on that jersey. And um, once I got sent down – you know, I, I kind of, I had that, I th had that thought coming. So once I got sent down, I, I just knew that, um, you know, if I keep putting on in this work and keep proving myself every day, then, 
um, hopefully one day I can get called back up. You know, now, uh, you know, going through your first year of a professional hockey, I mean, uh, you know, often, you know, there's things out of the uh, team and management's control, even, you know, with injuries and players getting called up. And you know, it's sort of a rough stretch right now for the team overall. But um, how comfortable are you now with the uh, the pro schedule? Um, and how have you uh, enjoyed, uh, you know, first year being uh, an American hockey leaguer playing here in uh, Winnipeg with the Manitoba Moose? Yeah, yeah, I'll begin uh by saying we, we have hit a little adversity here in our season. Um, you know, something I've learned is every game's a different challenge and a different battle. And uh, as a young team, we are, we're, we're slowly learning that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot to win games. And I think uh, that's something we're kind of chipping at every day, but um, you know, just getting experience and playing pro hockey in the American league. Uh, it's been great. You know, we have, quite a bit of guys on our team that have some NHL experience. And then a couple guys that are called up right now that uh, seeing them play and uh, have success with the jets, you know, it's, it's another motivating factor for me. And uh, I think everyone in the room that, uh, you know, you're, you're right there and um, you just got to keep putting the work in and, um, you know, showing up with a smile on your face. Yeah, you know, I mean, you brought up, uh, you know, a few of your uh, teammates from the Moose. I mean, uh, both Dominic Toninato and Axel Janssen Fialbi started with the Moose, um, were called up due to injury. And, you know, listen, I mean, we're going to probably see something happen later on this week when Shifley and potentially Gustafson get activated. Um, but they've done essentially what I think any player that starts in the American League wanted to do, and that is give. Um, you know, probably some sleepless nights to their general manager, the thought of a decision to make because they have done so much. You're in a unique situation where you're in the same city as the NHL club. I'm interested in uh, how much you get to watch the Jets, whether you're at home or on the road, how close you are to the team and um, what that's been like, knowing that that's the ultimate goal to uh, get the call down the hall. Yeah, it, it is. It is a unique experience that uh, you know we're using the same facilities and and all that. Um, that's something I thought was really cool uh, when I was looking into becoming a, a Winnipeg Jet. Is that you're getting all the NHL access, all all the access the NHL players are getting, and then, um, you know, like you said, uh, Toninato and Axe, um, they've they've been playing great. I mean, I'm sure. Um, they're going to have some tough decisions to make, but, um, you know, they, they've been doing a great job. And um, as far as just watching the Jets, you know, I, I watch the Jets as much as I can uh, here at home. And I've been to a couple of games myself live. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's great to see um, the, the fan base and, like, how rowdy the games get. And, um, you know, it's it's pretty cool. It's it's a lot different from what I'm used to at home. You know, the hockey culture here is um, it's a different animal for sure. So it's it's pretty cool. Well, and obviously with the team playing the way they're playing and winning as much as they have been, I mean, uh, it, it certainly sets the bar high. And I'm sure you guys feel that trickle down with the um, you know not only the system and the way that you know the organization is looking for its teams to play, um, but also gives you something that does feel I'm sure very very close knowing that, um, you know, one call could come at any point. And uh, if you do, you're going into a team that's not just in the NHL, but is right now on top of the standings. Yeah, yeah, that is, um, you know, it's it's pretty eye-opening that, um, 
you know, you, you have to be ready uh, at any point. And, um, you know, looking looking at the game speed and the difference between what I can see from the NHL to the AHL is uh, it, it's so it's so small. You know, you see guys going up and down all the time and uh, players that, you know, play in the American League and they go up to the NHL and have success. It's, um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to see that um, that transition, although it is a big transition, but, um, you know, people, you know, are having success and it kind of just motivates you a little bit more. Parker, what, uh, what's the, the group and the fellas like uh, off the ice? Of course we, I mean, saw that hilarious video that the team put together around Christmas of all you guys taking part in, which, uh, I thought was, I mean, just phenomenal. Um, you know, I know, you know, you'll win some, you lose some, and you know, you're looking to get back in the win column this weekend at home, but, uh, um, just what's it like being a, being a pro and uh, um, the atmosphere around uh, a young group of Manitoba Moose players looking to make their mark and uh, graduate to the National Hockey League? Yeah, it's been it's been great getting to know everybody. Um, you know that that video is just one thing that we kind of come together and have some fun. But there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that nobody sees. That uh, you know, it's it's a family here, um, and that's kind of how we're treated and. Everybody, um, you know, win or loss, uh, we still get to play the game that we love. And uh, we're coming to the rink every day and trying to have as much fun as we can. Um, You know, there's just there's so many different guys in the room from different places and different backgrounds and different ages. That's something that's pretty new to me is the age difference. Uh, You know, you have your young guys and then you have your guys that have been playing in the league for five to 10 years. So it's, uh, it's, it's a different setting, but it is, uh, it's, it's pretty cool to kind of take your time and uh, sit with different guys from different backgrounds and kind of get to know them. You know, I'm not sure about this. We've been doing this show for a while that you might be the first ever Rhode Island native on Winnipeg sports talk before. So uh, there's always something new in this game. Uh, And I got to tell you, I'm just looking at the chat right now and tons of uh, well wishes um, to you and your teammates going forward, wishing you good luck, and uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, wearing a Jet jersey at some point in the future. But uh, first and foremost, time to get back in the wind column this week at uh, on home ice in front of your home fans. Yeah, yeah, we've been, uh, you know, we've been coming together a lot this week in practice and uh, downtime and everything, and, you know, we're kind of we're at that point where enough is enough and we're ready to start putting in the work to win some games here and, um, you know, climb the standings. So, uh, you know, we're, we're ready to go. I'm ready to go. And um, yeah, I'm excited for the rest of the season. Parker, thanks a lot for coming on. It was great to meet you and have you on the show for the first time. We'll have to do it again sometime. Good luck this weekend at home Friday and Saturday as the uh, Moose get back on the ice in front of the home fans here in the peg. Thank you very much, Andrew. It was a pleasure being on. Good stuff. There's Parker Ford. Friday night, gang, 7 p.m. and Saturday night, 6 p.m. And I'm not exactly entirely sure what's involved in this, but Saturday night's game is Spy Night. Um, You can check that out and more details at moosehockey.com. But get some tickets out and uh, get out there and uh, see Parker, Brad Lambert, and now another great reason to go see the Moose, Billy Hanela back after that brutal injury that cost him the first half of the season getting back into uh, into playing uh, playing shape. We do have some tickets for Saturday's game and on Tuesday 
And uh, what you need to do is go to winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest. Enter to win there. We'll announce the winners in the next couple days here on WST. Great stuff with Parker Ford. Really enjoyed that that conversation. And you know, we got into a little bit about Providence College. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Brandon Tanev came from Providence College. Um, but it is a tiny, tiny school that... I don't think really competes in Division One programs in anything else, but they've got this powerhouse hockey program. And obviously, it is part of New England, and there is a big, big hockey culture and community there. Not so much in Rhode Island, uh, but really need to to kind of hear a little bit of Parker's background as a, a home state guy playing for that great program, and now turning some heads in his first year as a professional with the Manitoba Moose. All right, let me get Remo in here in just a second. We'll dive into what's on tap for tonight. Uh, but a big, big shout-out to Pitt and the gang out of Aikens Lake, already counting down the days to get back on the lake this summer at Manitoba's premier fly-in fishing destination where you can be on the water in less than two hours of the city of, of, the city of Winnipeg. Uh, and it's incredible. I've said this many times, but the fishing is world-class. I mean, you're seeing master anglers pulled out of there every day. But as great as the fishing is, what really separates Aikens, I think, from uh, any other place is the incredible hospitality of uh, the Terrens, the Trudels, and the amazing Aikens staff that take care of you in so many different ways. Whether you're on the water during the day or in Big Molly's at night, there really is nothing like the Aikens experience. Find out more at AikensLake.com as booking continues to fill up for the 2024 season. All right, we got to get to some cool bet lines. Let's get Reem back in here. Um, enjoy that conversation with Parker. And, you know, I didn't want to, you know, dwell too much on the struggles that the Moose are having right now. I think it's six or seven in a row on the wrong end of the scoreboard. Um, but a good full week of practice getting ready to get back to it. You could really tell from his visit on the program that um, they, uh, they're they feeling a sense of urgency to turn this thing around and uh, get back on the right side of the scoreboard starting this weekend. Yes, at Spy Night. Uh, actually, Dan, Dan Fink texted me. Yes, I didn't know this. This is kind of the story behind Spy Night. He says, random note for you guys. Uh, so it's James Bond Mission Impossible theme. But one of the things that was interesting, Winnipegger William Stevenson, codename Intrepid, was an inspiration to Ian Fleming for the character of James Bond. So really, that's the Winnipeg tie-in for Saturday. Spot in. It's good to have a you know week of practice, get sorted out, and you know, we did have uh, playoff hockey last year. But it was great hearing uh, Parker talk about his experience. Really well done, Huss, and nice to hear from him. A guy we talked about him almost every day during preseason and hadn't time. hadn't heard his name. A lot nice to hear that he's uh, enjoying his first full pro season uh, with the Moose and, you know, Billy Hainel getting back up to speed with them now. So, they you know, opportunity to see him here with the Jets uh, away. So, uh, nice work there. Uh, well, hustler. Those, those, moose, um, those Moose theme nights are so well done. I can't say enough about, you know, the, the job that um, everyone on the Moose side of things over at True North are doing. Um, so while we, uh, you know, you get a chance to see some incredibly talented young players, uh, but this is going to be a team that's desperate for a win. Uh, it starts on Friday night, 7 PM. And then again, the spy night festivities get going at six o'clock on Saturday. 
Uh, tickets are available, moosehockey.com. But if you do want to win some, get on over to winnipegsports.com slash contest and fire that up. All right, let's take a quick look at the cool bet lines tonight. And we were supposed to have three games tonight in the NHL, but now there are only two. Yeah, big uh, big cancellation here with bu- this Buffalo weather. We've been talking about it for like a week. Uh, it's claimed another victim. Uh, tonight's game between the the Sabres and the Blackhawks, and it's really screwed over the national broadcast on TNT. This actually might work better for hockey. Sec, that was supposed to be Chicago. Buffalo was supposed to be the national game. Yeah, what do you mean? That's two premier franchises going head-to-head. That was the oh national. Well, I mean, I guess if Connor Bedard's in the game, okay. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm surprised they didn't um, maybe call an audible and change that one to begin with. Okay, well, they have changed it. Hold on, i got to find the tweet up. Uh, but what they're doing now is instead of just, like, playing the broadcast of, oh, here it is. So they're going to be carrying Panthers Red Wings now, but the game crew is in Buffalo. So what are they going to do? They're going to do have Liam McHugh, uh, Paul Bissonnette, who's ace. Is that Anson Carter? He's ace. Uh, yeah. And Henrik Lundqvist are hosting the pregame, but they're also going to be calling the game from the studio. So they have no idea what's going to happen with these four guys just like watching the game, talking about it. So I think we're going to get this on Sportsnet. Here they just show, they do they just show the TNT games here? So I'm actually intrigued. I'm actually intrigued because Florida is really good. I think Barkov he's out, he's day to day, but uh, Florida to try and Kane injured as well for Detroit. But that's actually pretty interesting. If these non-traditional broadcasts, uh, I'm here for. But only two games tonight. Although we might get be getting the Montreal. Um, Montreal's playing someone good. Uh, uh, New Jersey, sorry. The Devils. Yeah, they're, we might get that game on sports. So I don't even know if we get this TNT game here, but yeah, th- that could be entertaining. Like, I'm just looking at the tube right now, and Ontario Pacific and Sportsnet West all have Montreal at the Devils. But sometimes we get that other game on 360, and 360 does not have, no, it's PG. So we're not, we don't even get it. Okay, whatever. It's another thing that, and another innovation by a U.S. Uh, broadcast we don't get us here in Canada. I will say a lot of people met very mad online last night, that last night's uh, McDavid-Matthews showdown, which may be the game of the year with Edmonton pulling away and Toronto blowing another lead, not on national TV because it's a Tuesday. And they only have national games like Wednesday, Monday, Saturday, maybe Sundays. So a lot of people very mad they couldn't like flex this so everyone could see it and People tuning in, like, ah, it's blacked out for me, and I guess don't understand. You know, people just go and see that it's blacked out, don't really understand regional versus national uh, broadcast rights rules, but uh, that was a bit of a fumbled bag there by the NHL yesterday. So, yeah, that- well, you know what? The, the Leafs are on national TV all the time, and just because the Leafs are playing in a game against a good team does not necessarily <laughs> make it the game of the year. Might I? Might I? That's suggest. what Jeff O'Neill said on the post game. Yeah, the, 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 he said exactly that. Well, you know what? Listen, I'm just going to play this clip off my phone. The <laughs> highlight of the entire night, and I know I got into Kenny and Rennie late yesterday because I was watching some of the TSN post game and they, look it's Oilers and Leafs they've got all the panel there everyone's on 
Uh, waiters, you should plug your ears or maybe step away. You're not going to want to hear this, but everyone else that maybe isn't a fan of the Leafs are going to love this. Listen to Craig Button. Go in on the Leafs and their fans. This is how it sounded last night on TSN. They know how to fold, and they did it again. Needless uh, to say, Button was trending last night, and the Leafs, the, the, as I said, the Leafs are the Dallas Cowboys of the National Hockey League. Uh, they suck up a lot of the oxygen, a lot of the conversation, and there's people that love them, and there's people that hate them. Um, they blew another lead last night. Craig Button unloading both barrels and Dusty said that he came on a show today and fired Sheldon Keefe three times in one segment. So uh, what a time for the Jets to be playing the Leafs not once but twice next week as that team goes through all this turmoil. Yeah, Craig, but I, you know, I was glued to the Leafs-Oilers postgame yesterday. You know, the Jets postgame, oh, they won. It's good, but this Leafs that's blown leads four games in a row, you love hearing about it. As you said, they are like the Cowboys where they just get talked about nationally. Uh, so much, and you love seeing them fail. But one thing that was notable, uh, sorry, the line that Button said was, Keith either finds solutions or they bring in somebody who can. He was he was on it uh, post-game yesterday. But uh, the one thing that was interesting, you know, we're looking forward to the WST game here with there's going to be so many Leafs fans. And you heard that yesterday oh, with wow. the Let's Go Oilers chant and then Leafs fans going, Go Leafs, go. I imagine... There's going to be a lot of that here uh, on Saturday when we're all in the building, January 27. Big Hockey Night in Canada game. Jets wearing the the RCAF, uh, was it 58 jerseys? 48. 40, 48. Sorry, I knew I was going to forget the number. 48 jerseys. Um, very, very, uh, ex- you know, got me fired up for that one, Huss, watching that game yesterday. Derek, Derek, uh, Derek Schmidt, I bet Craig's mentions must be absolutely unhinged right now. And as I said, Craig Button was trending last night. And I think a big part of it was probably uh, either getting plenty of support from part of the hockey populace and a whole lot of people being quite angry, uh, angry with them. Um, yeah, Leafs host the Jets next Wednesday after Saturday afternoon in Ottawa, Monday night in Boston. That'll be a great one. I'm sure Boston's looking forward to a crack at the Jets after the number that they put on them here in the peg on uh, December 22nd. Uh, But Wednesday night in Toronto, I imagine that'll probably be a national game, a Sportsnet game. Yeah. And then right back here for the Jets' final game before probably... Everyone going off to some sunnier climbs for a few days in R&R in the middle of the season. Um, and, of course, Connor Hellebuck and Rick Bonus will be representing the Jets the following weekend at the NHL All-Star Game, also in Toronto. Um, as far as tonight goes, well, as I mentioned, we had three games. Now there's only two, uh, Detroit and Florida. In South, in Fort Lauderdale, the Panthers are minus 200 favorites at Cool Bet. Com. The Red Wings are plus 168. Former Panther goalie Alex Lyon getting the start for the Detroit Red Wings. He's sort of 
um, really taken over the majority of the starts as of late for Detroit. And then we've got the Montreal Canadiens and the New Jersey Devils. The Devils are minus 181 favorites, still without Jack Hughes. And the Habs are plus 153 on the road. And as we do this each and every day, uh, we can tell you Jets still holding steady at 12 to 1 to win the cup. The Avalanche have dropped. Like there was a bunch of teams at 10 to 1. The Avalanche, for whatever reason, have dropped to 8 to 1 right now. Oilers, Vegas at 10 to 1. Rangers, Bruins, Canes, 11 to 1. And then the Panthers and Jets at 12 to 1. Dallas 13. Vancouver Canucks 14. But right now, the Jets are a co-favorite to win the West at plus 550, along with the Colorado Avalanche, which is strange, Remus, when you think about it. The Jets are plus 550 to win the West, but 12 to 1 to win the Cup. Edmonton 6 to 1 to win the West, but 10 to 1 to win the Cup. I don't entirely follow how that they came to those numbers. Um, but again, you're talking to a person with a 60-to-1 ticket for the Winnipeg Jets, so I'm not too worried about that cup number, although I do know a lot of people maybe wanting to get a little sprinkle on the home team considering what they've done through the first half of the season. Yeah, crazy seeing them up that high. You know, usually they're the default very low, and I'm sure a lot number you and a number of other people are very happy if they do win uh, the Stanley Cup for financial reasons. We'd all be happy here for a number of other reasons, but, uh, you know, some of us, Jumped on it a bit early and crazy to see them. Best odds to in the West with Colorado, who had a really nice win yesterday uh, against Ottawa, who's just having collapsed by the Sens. They just anyway. give up so many goals. So we'll get a look at them and we'll hear more about them uh, on Friday's show. But interested to see what they do, uh, who they move after the deadline, after this being their year to get back into the playoffs. You know, that was the big conversation coming in which teams from the East. You know, who weren't in are going to get back yeah. in. We thought Buffalo was going to make a jump. No, uh, goaltending kind of sinking them, among other reasons. And Ottawa, no. Uh, Pittsburgh, I'm not really sure what to make of what to make of them. So kind of more more of the same there in the East, but the West uh, a bit different. And, you know, Vegas, they're 6-1 to one here. And to repeat as champions, they're still 10-1. Jack Eichel's out, I think, a week. He just had some lower body surgery, so he's out week to week here. That's so a bit of a blow there for Vegas. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll just hold him out to the playoffs and you know, huh. make make some trade. Well, Put him on IR and uh, tweak the roster a little bit to yeah. get closer to it. Um, you know what? I, I'm breaking some ground today um, in the lock shop and with CoolBet. Uh, it's my week to do the uh, plays of the day. I started off perfect 4-0 and the first week. Um, had the Baker Mayfield over passing yards, which uh, easily cashed on Monday. I got, I don't want to say a little cocky last night, but I did take the Sharks to beat the uh, Blackhawks. The Sharks lost in a shootout. So you win some, you lose some. So 5-1 and one now on the year. But I'm not really feeling either of these hockey games in the NHL tonight. So I am taking my talents to the PWHL. And... The women's games are also up on CoolBet. And I'm riding with Minnesota in Ottawa. Minnesota, top team in the league so far this year. They're 3-0-1. They're a minus-139 favorite against Ottawa, who's only played the two games so far this year. 
So we'll see what happens on that. But yes, the PWHL also up at Cool Bet. We did some golf picks today in the lock shop. You want to check that out? It's over at Edmonton Sports Talk. But let's take a quick look at the lines of the divisional round of playoffs in the National Football League. For my money, the best weekend of the year. Four standalone games with the top eight teams remaining. And we've had a little line movement in that Baltimore Texans game, Remus. It was eight and a half yesterday. It's now nine and a half, and I'm a little surprised. I mean, the way the Texans played against a great Cleveland team, an awesome Cleveland defense, I wasn't expecting this line to move as much as it has, but uh, the Ravens hang in nine and a half points if you want to bet them. And I got to tell you, I'm a C.J. Stroud believer. I wouldn't put anything past the Texans. I think D'Amico Ryans has this team really, really going right now. I might be jumping on a bunch of the underdogs, to be honest, because I think you can make an argument about the Texans and the Packers, who are playing the 49ers, can make games of these and uh, at least stay in, give us exciting fourth quarters, unlike the majority of the wildcard weekend, and cover nine and a half points, which is the spread in both Saturday games. Yeah, that's a lot of points. Us and, you know, C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love are two of the great young QBs. In the NFL here, really big total in that Packers 49ers game is 50 and a half. And uh, we're not going to have weather as a factor as much in that 49ers game. And uh, we'll see what it's like Houston, Baltimore. You know, Houston can definitely be scored on. Baltimore, man, they, after what they did to Brock Purdy and the 49ers, they got to you know, be the favorite here uh, for the Super Bowl. And maybe they can do something similar uh, to CJ Stroud and, and Houston. So I, I maybe pick the. Packers is more likely to cover than than Houston, but those are some big numbers for good teams. And you know, it could be it could be a thing where you know we just saw Houston and Green Bay beat up on some inferior teams, but now you're leveling up here with Baltimore and San Francisco. And you know, we're also hyped about their wins, but uh, I think the I think San Francisco and Baltimore in terms of NFL power pull are just a, a cut above uh, everyone else in the leagues. But you know, that is a lot of points, so. We'll have to well, see, but. And, and just to your point, I mean, even though the Ravens beat the Niners, the Niners are the Super Bowl favorite, plus 175 to win. The Ravens are 3-1. to one. Uh, And then the three and four teams on the list are playing each other. And that, of course, is the Bills and the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes' first ever road playoff game, which is still absolutely insane. Uh, he has played some Super Bowls in neutral uh, games, but has never played outside of Arrowhead Stadium. Um, during the AFC playoffs. That's changing on the weekend. And right now, that line has moved, and that's a little bit of a surprise to me. I thought it would be solid two, two and a half. You can get the Chiefs plus three right now at Cool Bet at minus 114. Uh, but maybe most importantly when it comes to that game, never mind the point spread, it's the outright winner. The money line is Chiefs plus 121, the Bills minus 143. And we cannot forget about the Detroit Lions. They're a much bigger favorite in round two than they were in week one. Um, they beat the Rams by one, didn't cover, but all anyone in Detroit cared was finally winning a playoff game for the first time in 30 years at home. And they'll get a chance to do it again six days later. Sunday, 2 p.m. is the NFC game between the Bucks and the Lions, and Detroit is six-and-a-half-point favorites. As we mentioned, the Bills... And the Chiefs, Bills three-point favorites in that game. Um, as far as the uh, the Bills are plus 575 to win the whole thing. 
and the Chiefs and the Lions, eight to one to uh, win the whole thing. If you want a real long shot, Green Bay's 25 to one. Tampa and the Texans are both 28 to one. Um, there are plenty of other options when it comes to rushing yards, passing yards, exact Super Bowl outcomes, AFC winner, NFC winner, and more. It's all up there at Cool Bet, as well as Super Bowl MVP odds right now. If you want to get in advance of uh, the team that you're supporting, getting to the big game. Hey, if you haven't played a Cool Bet before, use the promo code WST when you're making your first deposit. We'll hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit with the promo code WST over at Winnipeg or over at coolbet.com. Well, I guess we do have some hockey on tonight, Reem, mm-hmm. but um, a little bit of a slower night. But um, it's going to be slow for a few days for Winnipeg Jet fans, an important few days off for the home team before they hit the road um, and play the Ottawa Senators. And you mentioned we'll talk Sens on Friday. Our old pal Alex Adams, if you remember, who joined us covering Canada's team at the FIBA World Cup. Alex is covering the Sens this year. He's going to jump on on Friday, so we'll look forward to catching up with him and find out what's going on with Ottawa. Um, Blew another lead last night as Colorado rolled on them with their backup goalie, playing on the second end of back-to-back nights. And seems our old pal Pooley and him and Steve Stales have their work cut out for them to uh, move this thing forward after such a disappointing season, which much greater uh, expectations, I think, from their fan base this year. It's been, they've been kind of building towards this for a number of years, and now with the ownership change, the management change, coaching change, a lot of changes happening in Ottawa. And do we see more? Uh, the big name probably moved Tarasenko. He's what he signed the one year deal, $5 million. Uh, Jacob Pickering's got another year after this, 4.6. Do they move on from him after acquiring him last year? And, you know, they signed Corpus Allo to this, you know, big contract in the offseason, $4 million. They got one, two, three, four more years. Really hasn't uh, been working out there for him. So uh, it's not going according to plan there in Ottawa. So I'm curious how they decide to turn around. It didn't seem like they feel they have the right people in place to do that. But we'll get a look at them again, giving up a ton of goals. This year, Ottawa. So um, that's Saturday afternoon. Nice little afternoon game for the Jets. Yeah, you mentioned Jacob Chikrin as well with that one more year at 4.6. I'm not sure that he's going to be on the block, but that would be a player. I know we talked about him last year. It would look good in a Winnipeg Jet jersey for uh, for sure. All right, great stuff today. Um, Big thanks to uh, Ted Wyman, Murata Tesh, and Parker Ford for jumping on the show today. Great stuff from Michael Remus getting that audio for us from last night's game. Uh, we've got some uh, some treats for you, folks. Not 100%, but I'm expecting for tomorrow's show. We will have Brandon. We'll have Scott. We'll kind of talk with the Jets in this little break, heading into a wild final week, heading into the All-Star break. But his Bills playing my Chiefs, it is about time to welcome Gabe Morenci back to the program. And I think the Rager himself is going to be on tomorrow. We're just working on times. But I hope to have Gabe for you tomorrow on the program to talk a little NFL playoffs. And uh, we'll set the stakes between the two of us for our teams going head-to-head. Again, in the playoffs, could this be the Bills' year? I hope not. 
but we will see Sunday night, 5.30, what a tilt that is going to be. Um, all right. Thanks to all of our sponsors that make the show happen every day and all of you. Hit that thumbs up button for those of you with us on YouTube and make sure you subscribe to the channel. Just hit that subscribe button. It really is that easy. Don't forget the podcast is available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just search Winnipeg Sports Talk. And for all of you podcast listeners, thanks for making us a party today. Check out the YouTube, though, sometime when you're able to live every day at 1 p.m. here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Big day tomorrow. Lots of Jets and NHL talk and NFL playoffs as well. Join us tomorrow, 1 p.m., right here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.